<laughs> she said, you're not very humble, man, are you? And he said, well, actually, I'm the most humble. <laughs> I'm probably more humble than you'd... you imagine? I'm very humble. And of course, he's bragged about how humble he is. He's a monster and someone should probably get rid of him in some way. I'm not, I'm not suggesting they do it violently, but at least just lock him in a cupboard or something. Because, dear God. Dear God. Uh, this is a THX presentation. You are listening to Big Damn Cast. I am George Lucas's neckbeard. And I'm wondering when we can stop this bullshit. <laughs> Never. Not until the four keys to Doomsday have been found. The seven keys to Doomsday. Seven keys to Doomsday are the keys of Marinus. What's for, what's the four ones? The four some four to Doomsday. Is what four I'm to Doomsday. Of. Yeah. There we are. And wasn't one of the stage shows? The stage shows was like the keys of something. Seven wasn't it? keys to. Oh my god! Did Doctor Who just reuse a bunch of yeah, title concepts? I think it's seven keys to Doomsday. I think we need to have a word with the past. There was also Doctor Who. Ideas up. The Ultimate Adventure. Yeah, there was. Starring the famous David Banks Doctor, where John Pertwee wasn't in it. <laughs> was David Banks playing the alternate fourth Doctor? Uh, like, he had, be... like, a different costume, didn't he? No, it might be when Colin Baker was doing it, actually. No, it was co- when Colin Baker was doing it, because it was, <clears throat> cause it was yeah. when David Banks was also the cyber leader. Cause... Yes. Because <coughs> yeah. he was the cyber leader and the understudy Doctor. Yes. Oh, God. And Colin had a beard. <coughs> or sort of beard. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you liked the production, but it was around that time. Was it? it was in the year where he wasn't, yeah, where the show yeah, wasn't yeah. on and stuff. Imagine if that happened now. Like if they if they just like went, we're going to do like the touring, the symphonies or something like that, and Peter Capaldi will be in it as the Doctor. You'd be like, oh shit, that's actually quite impressive. Until so you're like, wait, no, I want this era to be over. Yeah, <laughs> Jody, do you want to give us an early preview? <laughs> like, come and join. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, enough of that shit. <laughs> Let's talk about more exciting shit. shit. Yeah, we got some trailers to talk about. We're going to delve into the world of Porgs. Um, we're going to uh, we're going to merge some monsters Meet together. Pork. Meet my Porg, and we're going to my man um, like a simulation postman. Sure. Uh, we're also going to dive deep into uh, the future, the near future, in an alternate not- timeline, and the not. So near future, yeah. Of uh, slightly more distant of future. the years twenty. Was the first one in twenty twenty? Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. So the year twenty nineteen and the year twenty forty nine. Blade Runner. Uh, we're also going to touch on how Rick and Morty fans are a horrible bunch of people, and we say that as two of them. Yes. Um. So that'll be fun. Sort of a, a, consider that a part two to our discussion last week about geek culture being on the way out, because we mm. brought up briefly about how maybe it's going to kill itself because of toxicity. There was some big proof of that this week, yeah. and we'll get into that when we go to Rick and Morty Corner later, uh, and then your emails and shit. Yeah, so there's a definite theme going on of despicable bunches of people this week. Yeah, so let's kick off with one, shall we? Um, let's do it. They're meant to be heroes, sort of zeros. Shall we start with Justice League? Let's <clears> start <laughs> with the Justice League. Yeah, Justice League's third, third trailer? F- fuck knows. Like, Let's call it the Superman trailer. How many trailers? How many Justice League trailers have there been? Answers on a postcard. You'll oh get a God. Blue Peter badge. It feels like this right. movie's been coming out forever. It's... Oh my God. It's <laughs> so strange. Wonder Woman arrived in the post the other day. I got the Wonder Woman Blu-ray. It arrived in the post... And do you know what was on the front? What? A sticker that said, uh, Witness the wonder before you see Justice League. I was like, great, you've soured this Blu-ray now. Yeah. 
Now I'm less anxious to see this. Like, I'm not. I am not fucked. But don't don't sell me Justice League with your better movie about Wonder Woman. Don't don't Justice League on my head and tell me it's Wonder Woman in. I oh god, I've heard that they did a lot more a lot more Wonder Woman centric stuff in the reshoots. That would be for Justice League it, because she's turning into the best thing about this whole endeavor. But don't you feel like they've cottoned onto the gimmick a bit? In this trailer, there's that shot where she like smacks and parody, and she lands, and then she smirks. And Gal Gadot looks like she's having a blast, and it's like a really like dashing smile. But it's like, well, she's done that before. The only reason you put that in there is so we go, but she's doing it again! Yay! Are you gonna wear out the things that we enjoy? I'm wondering whether yes. I'm not expecting to go into this movie and come out going, "Oh my god, Wonder Woman was amazing." I'm expecting to come out of this going, "Yeah, it was cool to see more Wonder Woman, but." I'm going to wait for Wonder Woman 2 before I enjoy the character to, properly to again. Be, to be 100%, to be 100 honest, I'm not expecting to come out of this movie. <laughs> oh my like, god! I think, I think it might batter me you're, into you're oblivion. Gonna, you're going to recoil in your chair so much you become the chair. Like the, it, I'm so torn because some bits of the trailer look really encouraging and then some bits yeah. of it just make me want to... There was a genuine sense, there was a genuine sense of fun in, in several bits of this trailer. Yeah. That made me go, okay, I'm a little bit more optimistic that I'm not going to hate watching this. But for every one of them, there was two... Yes. My man! Oh, jeez, what is Aquaman? I love I love how they were like, okay, they didn't just think Aquaman's going to be in it. Everyone made the obvious jokes of like, oh, the guy who talks to fish out and we're there going, like, no, Aquaman's cool. They'll, they'll, don't worry. Like, all you jokers are going to go, oh, shit, this is what Aquaman can do. And instead what they've done is they've just found a different way to make him shit. Well, it's because the thing <laughs> they've is, made him surfer dude, stoner I mean, guy. It's difficult to say it because it, all this is out of context. Yeah, but yeah. from what we saw of the uh, from the from the very brief moment we saw of him in Batman vs Superman mm. to the early Justice League trailers to the current stuff, it looks like a completely different character. Yeah, it's sort of oh, who's this mystical Carl Drago slash Ronan from Stargate yeah, Atlantis looking dude? And he's kind of not that Jason Momoa's been typecast. He's kind of, but, he's know. kind of grumpy and taciturn, and but now he's all yeah, I'm cool. I'm a cool guy. I'm a cool guy who says cool things, and I'm hello, fellow teenagers. In a in a smog cast from like four years ago, Scott Mosher joked about Aquaman being like you do him as a surfer dude, and that's how yeah. you get away with him. And they're like, so they're joking about him, like getting stoned. You'd be like, you ever used a blur for well, wait, wait, all this stuff? Wasn't this and... movie in production four years? Wasn't this movie due to come out four Probably. years ago? <laughs> but it, it's, it's like they joked about that. And it was a really funny idea. I mean, a guy who just like shags fish and and gets high with Fuck. fish and. Because they say, like, all oh, these people are lined up on the, the beach and, like, fish with human faces going, Father! Why have you forsaken us? Oh, no. Kill me, Arthur Curry! All this no. stuff. And it's, it's like, that was, oh, this is funny. And now this trailer's come out, and I'm like, oh my god, that's what they're doing. Jason Momoa looks like he's having a blast. And I can't fault him for that. You can feel, you can feel that infectious enjoyment in the moments he's delivering. But then, yeah. you, then you think back to what you've just watched and go, oh, is this what they're doing? To be honest, though, it only seems jarring because it, it seemed like they were going for something else completely different. Yeah. And it might work in the movie, I don't know. I'm alright I'm all with, a, with a more upbeat sort of cool Aquaman it's just so, uh, so so much of this movie has come out and so much of this movie has been inconsistent within itself within the small amount of it that's come out yeah god the, the... colour palette seems to have been like we're in the final stages of the edit now the movie looks like it has filters over it but they've taken the grey beigey filters from Batman v Superman and, 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 and Man of Steel 
and they've gone right for every gray surface let's have like a bright orange surface for every like black yeah. corner let's have a flash of red let's and it doesn't look like they've got a bit of a defenders thing going on like everyone sort of has a color like yeah. flash is red aquaman's green um cyborgs like metallic silver wonder woman's the sort of uh the red got red gold kind of look batman's just block gray pretty much and Superman will be, you know, blue and red and stuff. But it's like... But Superman's in this movie! Christ alive. Do you know, uh, it's the fact that it opens with like... But wait, wait, wait. I'll, I'll take Superman's that as a... Superman's dead! I'll take that as a... Superman's dead! What he says, he says like, I'll take it as a yes. Yeah. And she's like, what? And it cuts back to her spreading ashes and she's wearing an engagement ring. Now, forgive me if I'm misremembering. I only saw Batman v Superman once in the cinema. I've seen it twice. Did she have an engagement ring? Was that a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did she find it, like, in his stuff? I think she found it. Yeah. Or did he give it to her just before he flew away to fight Doomsday or something? I think she found it. <sighs> if I recall correctly. So they're hoping you remember that when you watch this trailer. Because I was like, wait, she's having a dream where he's in a field going, I'll take that as a yes. And, he, and Henry Cavill smiled. Oh my God. And his face did not crack like <laughs> ancient plaster. The thing is, when I think of Henry Cavill's Superman, I remember the Ice Bucket Challenge video from early in the BVS production. Yeah. Oh my god, that's how long ago BVS started principal photography. It was during the time of the Ice Bucket Challenge. Yeah. But like that one with him and Amy Adams are sat there and they get Ice Bucket and he's like laughing. He's like, oh, because he's obviously in a freaking skin tight rubber and, and lycra suit. And he wasn't even in costume. That's just what he wears around the house. <laughs> but he's like smiling and be like, oh, and I always think, oh my god, can we have that Superman, please? Yeah. Can we have that guy doing please. the Ice Bucket Challenge and having fun? That'd be great. Um, so yeah, I mean, oh, I still don't think this is going to be a good movie. I don't think any amount of Joss Whedon reshoots can salvage the, 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 the lack of joy that Snyder was clearly going to bring us until even he was told to tweak it. It might be okay though. But it might be an entertaining, yeah, like, oh God, how do I put this? Man of Steel is fine. I just don't like it. That's, it's fine. It's not great. Half of it's fine. It's it's a two and a half star movie if you're looking at it objectively in terms of what it does. Yeah. It's a two and a half star movie. It's a five out of ten. It's a middling film. Um, Batman v Superman to me is like a one out of ten. It's abysmal. It's just dour and misses the point of its core concept and has no fun with its weird imaginary wacky characters that it has access to. It's nonsensical and barely coherent. Suicide Squad is slightly better than BVS because there is some stuff in there we go oh that was fun that was cool but it's a piece of shit like it's a terrible movie you can you at least get those moments where you go like that was nice like, although it, oh, that was fun. although it does have a traditionally structured and coherent plot yeah it's not a very good one yes um it's so, like that's where we stand and then Wonder Woman's like a comfortable 7 8 out of yeah, 10 yeah yeah it's really good yeah, it's, it's a lot, really it's enjoyable. Good. It's not a groundbreaking piece of cinema, but it is culturally significant. Yeah. Because, uh, mostly because it was a decent flick. Yeah. Um, I've got a feeling this is going to sit somewhere in like the, the Man of Steel kind of thing. But only because it's a terrible movie that has some shining things to I'm it. I'm hoping it's going to be better than Man of Steel. Me too. I'd like th- I'd like to come out of this and go, oh my god, I have two movies in the DCAU that I like. I'd love to do that. That'd be great, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I'd know... love to come out of this movie caring about Cyborg. Well, forget Cyborg. There are better robots in cinema. What? Pacific Rim Uprising, motherfucker. Got a trailer. Uh, New York Comic Con. Are you robots? The Jaegers are... Yes. 
Except they're piloted. They're suits. But they are, there's artificial intelligence. They're GLaDOS is in it! Giant. GLaDOS's voice is part of it! Giant mecha. They're the iPhones. Football. Yes, they are iPhones. And they've got a Siri that sounds like an evil computer. iPhones with rocket launchers! So, Pacific Rim Uprising trailer. I watched this for the first time just before we started recording. Um, and you, just before we went into it, you said, it basically spills the whole film. And I was oh, like, yeah. okay, let's see what you mean. Uh, yes. Yeah, Christ alive, you were right. Thing. It's just, it's it's a Power Rangers episode. Yeah. And you know what? Fair enough. Yeah, okay. It looks stupid. <laughs> yeah. And I'm okay with it being stupid. I loved Pacific Rim because it was the Godzilla slash Power Rangers movie I'd always wanted to see. Yeah. But made with that Guillermo del Toro-esque flair. This looks like, this definitely doesn't look like a Guillermo del Toro movie because obviously it isn't. He's only, he's exec producer, I think. I don't think he's that involved with it. Like, No, I think, I think it's like marquee style. Yeah. Like he, he's overseeing some and gone, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, here's some ideas I had for the first one we didn't use. Do you want to work these in? Cool. You guys go nuts. I'll give final approval. Like it seems like that's basically his thing. But at the same time, it's still kind of, it looks like it's retaining a sense of fun. The first movie yeah. had some of that, but it was a bit more serious. It was like, oh shit, like the world's going to end. We have to do stuff or something about this. I'm definitely willing to forgive some stupid if something is fun. Yeah. Um, I love, I'm guessing John Boyega's playing Idris Elba's son, yeah, or yeah, like yeah. Idris Elba's like nephew or something like son, that. He's got the, na- the same name on his He's jacket. got the same name, but he's also got like a pube version of the moustache. <laughs> Which is so weird. It's, it's also weird it's because like it's got a mustache. It's like a not. It's a not. It, it's facial hair, but with emphasis on yeah. like five o'clock shadow, but with emphasis on the mustache. John Boyega's not a child. Like he's an adult. He can grow a beard. Yeah, but I, but, I but it, it almost looks like he's a young kid cosplaying Idris Elba's character because it's like he's not quite got the tash. Maybe that's what. Like, maybe that's what his character arc is. Maybe yeah. it's like I'm trying to look like my daddy. I look like my dad because he had a cool mustache. I, I don't know why I made him American. He's not American at all. He's Gypsy. definitely British in this, which is nice. Yeah. It's cool. Hear his, his actual voice again. British John Boyega. Um, he, he's one of the producers, isn't he? It's like his company yeah. developed it. It's yeah. like that is how, I'm, a guy's smart. Like that's how you reinvest get, that Star Wars money. But exactly, like get some good gigs, does well, proves himself. I mean, he's a damn fine actor, but like get oh, some yeah. good gigs, proves himself, and then goes right. Production company starting it, and we're going to work on this franchise that there is a demand for more. I say franchise, it's franchise now. But it's like there's a demand for more. We're going to do it. Hey, Gilmo, do you mind if we make a sequel? Oh, absolutely. I'll go for it. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Gilmo. You, uh, you, you, what is it? Every, everyone's, everyone's favorite. Thank you, everyone's favorite Krampus. <laughs> and then off they go and they make it. And, like, I mean, that's a smart decision. Like, whatever happens in John Boyega's acting career from this point on, dude is now a producer. So he's yeah. going to do all right. I mean, people like you, Jackman, and that do this as well. You've got yeah. production companies. It's like, good on them. Um, Brad Pitt, like, is one of the biggest ones, isn't he? <coughs> so, bless you, Bradley Pitt. Producers are douchebags in Hollywood. <laughs> no, he's, he's actually, turns out he's one of the less douchebaggy people. Recently. Oh, yes. Yeah, amid, amidst, the... amidst all oh, this shit this week, it turns out he's now. he's actually stepped in and, and kicked off with some of the villains at some point. <sighs> powerful men in Hollywood are absolute fucking scumbags. And powerful men. Film at 11. And, and, yeah, and powerful men in freaking Hollywood examining YouTube media as well, apparently. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah. Don't worry, the only people um, sort of in a position of, of, of evil power here is, is just me and Matt in a chess game. Nothing sordid or horrible, just we look at each other and caress each other's faces occasionally. Do you know what? It's completely consensual. This is the point. As is this discussion, because Pacific Room 2 looks Bishop like a load 12. of fun. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> That's wizard's chess. Um, I'll tell you this for now, though. More Burn Gorman, and they ain't afraid to show it. And more Charlie Day. Yeah, oh, of course it was Charlie Day, wasn't it? Yeah. But I just I was struck by like how much 
Actually, now you mentioned it, yeah. I was wondering and, how much the two of them are in it. And more of whatever, whatever the lassie's name is in the first one. The Japanese lassie's name I cannot pronounce. Rain. What's her face? Rinko. Yeah. I want to say it's Rinko. U- Ujimi Flip. Ujimi Flip. Diddly Fox. Let me, let me look her name up because it's it's a tricky one to pronounce, but I'm going to try it. But, like, she's there too. But I wonder if Ron Perlman's going to show up. Because, like, post credits, spoiler alert for Pacific Rim. Post credits for the first one, he cuts himself out of the thing, doesn't he? Rinko Kikuchi. What a great name! Mm-hmm. Rinko Kikuchi. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Rinko <laughs> Kikuchi. Um, I'm glad that they're not completely sidelining like some of the characters in the first one, then and just starting afresh. It makes sense to like blend everyone in. But that's what I'm saying. I wonder if Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. I wonder if Ron Perlman will show up. Because po- again, post credits, he cut himself out of the stomach of the thing, he didn't he? He doesn't. He doesn't seem to be listed on. IMDb. Uncredited cameo. But I hope he's in it. <laughs> um, because, yeah. Looks like a lot of fun. Looks like a pretty simple popcorn flick. We'll have a laugh. Robots, monsters. Oh my. The robots, the monsters. Oh! Robots and oh monsters. Robots and monsters. That that sounds like another franchise. With a tenuous link. Star Wars. The Star Last Wars. Jedi. The last trailer for The Last Jedi is now out. Which, Ryan Johnson put a warning out on Twitter saying, if you want to go into this movie completely clean, mm. do not watch this trailer. So naturally we watched the trailer, yeah. and I can see what he meant. There is a bit more of a specific plot being suggested now. Like, in the previous trailers it's been more, we know that Rey's going to train with Luke, and we know that Kylo's looking for revenge, and that's kind of it for specifics. This trailer does sort of suggest that Luke is a reluctant trainer, Ray is a freak of nature. There has only been one like her before, namely Kylo. Kylo Ren's looking for answers and possibly kinship. And it's like, wait, hang on. This isn't going to be as like straightforward and good guy versus bad guy this time, is it? I don't no. know. That's the feeling I'm getting. Sorry, we're slightly overwhelmed, but it started pissing it down while we're recording in a way where the outside world looks like some kind of horrible hybrid twixt Silent Hill and it a rainforest. Like a little bit, doesn't it? But like, but like the bit in the trailer where like <laughs> Luke looks just like this has happened once before, and you suddenly go, "Oh shit!" That's why she's that's why she's OP in the first movie, because it's we 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 always defended that because we were like I think we were both in the same boat with that. It was like, <laughs> the, bless you. Well, she's the, just a Mary Sue, Chris. Well, no, but like the force does work mysteriously, and. If it is willing, if it's willing these people to be like this, then it would, like, because you get away from the midichlorian bullshit and go into the mysticism. You get the sense in the first movie that Ray isn't in charge of her powers, but it's like she's being guided, like she can feel, like you know, it, it sort of summed up in that moment where she's locked sabers with Kylo at the end of the first one, and mm-hmm. she sort of takes that moment, she like breathes and she steadies herself, and then she forces back, and you go like, okay, she's she's feeling this thing inside her, and she's tapping into it. But yeah, she was quite OP. Turns out that was the plan. Or, you know, they found a way to work it in. Because she and Kylo are force-powered freaks of nature. (laughs) Sorry, I've just been distracted by a headline that came up on my phone. Oh, God. Oh, God, is it about us? Mark Ruffalo live-streams Thor Ragnarok by accident. What? Hulk actor Mark Ruffalo inadvertently live-streamed a portion of audio from Thor Ragnarok during Monday night's Red Carpet premiere, according to a Hollywood reporter. He was live-streaming a portion of the Red Carpet for fans over Instagram, but reportedly left the live-stream running during the actual screening after pocketing his phone. Oh my god, so you can hear the audio, that's amazing! 
Do you know what? If that's if that was done on purpose or by accident, either way, he won't get in trouble. Because that is a really fun bit of viral marketing. <laughs> it's like people would have heard like a good hour of the movie or something, but they won't see it. So there's still something it's, you've got to go It's unclear if, if Ruffalo stopped the stream himself or if it just ended. Like his phone, his phone cut out or something. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. Oh sorry, yes. No, sorry, that was, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was worth a little detail for. That's a really cool bit of news. <laughs> oh, poor Mark Ruffalo. Slash clever Mark Ruffalo. Um, yeah, so it seems like Kylo and Rey are in the same basket. Yeah. And Luke is genuinely terrified to train her. Not because he's like, no, no, I can't do this. I'm past this. It's too old. It's like, no, you are, you're the same as that kid who fucked everything up and killed the other trainees. Yeah. Like, I, I can't be doing this. Um, we talked about this on, um, well, yesterday, um, where I said, like, when Luke spoke in the trailer, I forgot it was Mark Hamill. I was mm. like, oh my god, that's Luke. Like, that's Luke. I can hear Luke Skywalker. Old Luke Skywalker. Old Luke Skywalker. But he's got that softness in his delivery that sort of is, is more akin to how he sounded in, in, the, yeah. in Star Wars film, in the Star Wars films. So that was kind of fun. There's a weird point in the trailer I'm not sure about. Which is where it looks like Kylo in his in his tie uh, bomber is about to take a shot that's gonna it, the way it's edited in the trailer it looks like he's gonna wipe out like the um, resistances. Uh, it where, look, where it looks like he's targeting his mother. Yeah, and I'm like, that is a massive fucking spoiler to put in the trailer if that is exactly what's happening there. And is that how they've got around Carrie Fisher not? being there it's to tell really part three because like because from from what we could tell from the way they were it's addressing the production side of things um after you know a respectful amount of time had passed after she, she um, passed away there was this suggestion that oh yeah she was fully intending to be in the third one so it's like have I, they had to reshape this one are they for are they preparing us to lose leia i would imagine that there's more to that yeah, I hope so because otherwise it's very on the nose to put that in there. Um, I also kind of hope that they don't compromise the story too much to explain her absence from the next one. We'll because see. you could easily just set the two films some time apart and, do you know what I mean? Things could transpire. I don't know. Yeah, you kind of want to I... give Leia a big send-off if she's going to leave the story but at the same time you don't want to have to bastardise a, a send-off from pre-existing stuff it's, yeah. it's it's a tough place so i i'm interested to see where they go but i hope it's not as on the nose as the trailer suggests um let's talk about everybody's new favorite slash new least favorite character that pog on the dashboard in the millennium so falcon good. so good that's when a police siren went off at the same moment i mentioned the pog and i thought it was a pog roaring it's, that it's moment is adorable it's brilliant chewie give a little roar Pog gives a little roar kids everywhere their hearts melt parents suddenly head to the Argos catalogue and immediately order a Porg for Christmas. You can already buy Porg stuff. You can. When we went on Force Friday, we were looking around the stores and there were yeah. Porgs and we were like, okay, that's kind of cool, but you can buy don't it. get it. Like, I have no urge to buy these because I don't know what they are other than little animals. And now we've seen one roar and I'm like, yeah, I want one. They're cute. I want a Porg, man. They're cute. I want a Porg up in this, his egg. You know the, you know the, um, the jealous girlfriend meme? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the guy looking around and... Uh, there's one doing the rounds at the minute of the guy turning around. There's a pog in the foreground. And his girlfriend's Jaja Binks. It's like, not sure what your thought process was here, guys. Yeah, but fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Fair I don't think anybody likes Jaja as much as people like... I, I'm on board with pogs. Unless it's more from the angle of like, oh, something new for me to complain about. Morg pogs. <laughs> Morgs. Morgs. 
Mugs for me! Sorry! Right, that's trailers. We've talked about trailers. We've talked about trailers. Let's talk about caravans. Um, I think statics are probably the best if you think Caravans of a length longer than 15 metres should not be towed by a car with a traction of less than 20 brake. I don't know, I'm making numbers up. Um, I thought you were just reciting theory then. I was like, wait, what? Christopher! We saw Blade Runner 2049. We did? Yesterday. Yes, we did. As of this recording. Yes, we did. These are truths. Before we saw Blade Runner 2049, <laughs> had you seen Blade Runner the first one? <laughs> is that the original title? That's is the original that the, title. If you're looking for the original cut, is it Blade Runner, Blade Runner the first one? The first one. Um, I, you know, here's, 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 here's a thing for you. I don't get into the podcast if you did. Blade Runner is oh. something that you sort of I think everybody knows it to a degree through cultural osmosis it's 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 one of those movies like Psycho that you just sort of eventually you assume you've seen it because you know so much about it and you've you've absorbed so much of the things that are influenced by it so it is colossally influential I know people who've gone back and seen it and thought of it as derivative because so much of it has been copied by stuff that's come since I thought I'd seen Blade Runner until about two years ago when I realised I hadn't actually watched it. Um, so I rectified that. We bought the final cut. So what is now known as the version, if you're going off Ridley Scott's like preference, and apparently uh, the version to have watched prior to seeing this I one. I think most people's preference as well. Because for people, it'll either come down to being the director's cut or the hmm. final cut the final cut's like from the 2000s isn't it it's like uh, final two... cut came out in 2000 and a year because the blu-ray 11? the blu-ray came out around then um and i remember it was like the last they did a box set you yeah. get a, a crate version as well which had every cut the final cut was done for the blade runner blu-ray release yeah so whatever the blu-ray and then, it, blade then the dvd out. version came out as well yeah, yeah. And, and stuff but yeah um i finally watched it the thing is, Blade Runner, to me, growing up, wasn't the film. It was references to the film and the point-and-click adventure Which game I never played. I, I hear great things about. It was amazing. Yeah. And like that, when I watched the film, I found myself going, oh, like in the game, like at certain things. Because yeah. the, the game isn't based on the movie directly. It's a story that's parallel to the film. Yeah. So it's another Blade Runner um, investigating like uh, some replicants who, who have basically hidden away in this portion of society in a borough of the city. Does it ever does it ever tell you why Blade Runners are called Blade Runners? No. No. But it does tell you other shit, like how vending machines work and uh like what powers the guns and shit like that. But um Fantastic. Like, it was amazing, but I, I I adored it. I played it a lot as a kid and it was one of those PC games where like the save was very rare. Oh. So for like you know like a save point happened you happened upon them very rarely, like all nineties PC games where you, you know you really had to. Yeah, where get, they like, assumed you had to you get had like nothing better to do. Yeah, you had to get like three hours of play in before you hit a save point. So for my my first ten playthroughs, I was just replaying the beginning hour and a half like again and again and again. Um, a lot of fun, and we reference them a lot on the show. But like Weekly Planet, Mister Sunday Movies, the the part of their Caravan of Garbage series, yeah, which is sort of it, its title is now bullshit because like they're playing a lot of good stuff now, but um, they we were re- their garbage at it, yeah, fair play. Oh, oh! shots fired, Mister Sunday, come at us, bro. He won't. They're in Australia. No, he won't. Yeah. He doesn't listen. Uh, 
But uh, we they, love you, Miss Sunday. We do. We generally and, do. And Mason, and Mason maybe. Obviously, maybe. Yeah, well, love it. Grab that gem. Um, do they say that anymore? They don't really, do they? Yeah, they do. Say. Occasionally, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, they recently playing it. So if you want to get some footage from it, like go watch that. They they had a playthrough of like the first hour or so. Hmm. Um, cut down into a handy dandy twenty five minutes. But that was my Blade Runner. How about you? Where did you dive into the world of Blade Runner? I Renew? cannot remember the first time I watched Blade Runner. <laughs> or can you only recall watching Blade Runner because that's been implanted in your head and you actually have only existed for four years? Is that my memory? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I... No, you're, 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 like a, you're like a type four or five. Like you, You've only existed for four years and they've given you a couple of memories so that you can feel like you had a past. Listen. You, you're not full-blown Blade Runner 24. Like I know yeah. what's real. <laughs> well, do you? Um, yeah, you do. I... <laughs> Yeah, I do just, you? Yes. Blade Runner is one of those movies that have has been part of my life for so long that I can't remember a time before I knew what Blade Runner was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had like maybe I don't. I might have not seen the whole thing. I probably had like a tape of it off when it was on TV that maybe has got some bits missing. Probably is what I probably had until I managed to get the DVD of the director's cut. No longer forgot a DVD player. Yeah, and then I got the final cut when it came out, and I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I completely understand why people don't. Because I know the people watch it and go, oh, it's boring, nothing happens, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of is boring, and, and kind of nothing happens, but that's kind of the point. Like, it's an, it's a film noir story that just happens to be set in 2019 and is about androids. And it doesn't... It does a really good job of building a world Yes. Without explaining the world to you. Unless you're watching a theatrical cut with, with Harrison Ford's ridiculous um, uh, narration, which I don't think I've ever seen. I think I've only ever seen clips of it. But I've, Same, yeah, I've, I've seen bits yeah. of it, and you can just... Oh, God. So, they just, say what, let's, get, let's give it a little horrendous. bit... Back. For those who are new to it and have maybe, like, maybe seen the film but don't know too much about the history, let's sort of, like, Cliff Notes version of it. A Blade Runner. <clears throat> yeah, so okay. it, it released 82... And was wait of the film or the, 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 the production the, of the film the or the actual film itself? The film itself came out in eighty two. Right, okay, yeah. And was not a hit, and it was sort of critically mixed. The and... test screenings were didn't go well because <laughs> the audience didn't understand it. So they because we're in a post added... Star Wars world, so they're going to yeah. watch a Harrison Ford yeah. sci fi movie, and they think, oh, cool, yeah, and they're going. What is this? Why is it's, it so slow? It's not an action movie. Like, no. it's a, it's there's a, some action in it, and it's, it's, and it's pretty brutal and, and scary. But yeah, yeah it's, like it's, it's a noir. Yeah, it's and it is, it's 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 a, it's an exercise in mood over plot. Mm. Like the plot that's in there is very simple, and there's no real tension to it for most of it, other than like some of the confrontations, like well, the, oh, like the pursuit in the yeah. last sort of fifteen minutes. But there's no mystery. Yeah, like you know exactly what's going on. It's, it's no like I talked to this broad to find I'm gonna find out yeah. who it was. There's no mystery to the audience. Yeah. There's mystery to the characters, yeah. but the audience knows exactly where everything's Like Deckard's go. like finding shit out, yeah. but some of it is shit we know because we've oh, yeah. seen where the characters yeah, yeah. are that he's exactly. after and Um so Um but the audience the audience didn't understand it because test audiences are stupid. Never listen to test audiences. Never listen to test audiences. Um <laughs> so But do listen to audience testies. Mm. Depends what, the, depends what they're saying. They're, they're fickle, those testies. Um, <laughs> the fickle testies of fate. So, so, it, so they add, so they made some cuts, 
they added a narration, which Harrison Ford didn't want to do. Yeah, because he was like, no, this, this disrupts the point in. of it. Yeah, and it was just, it's literally just him narrating what is happening on the screen and explaining concepts. To that weird gobbledygook he said was and street city, speak. City speak, city a mixture speak. of Japanese, French, what have you. I don't know why <laughs> you saved my life. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. They did that, terrible. and so the, the way that they tried to make that fit in was they were like, "Oh, it's like an old school noir." Like, there's a lot of that. You go back to your Humphrey Bogart stuff, and there is a lot of like, "I pursued him through the night." Well, because like, the film's know. not structured to have that voiceover. Yeah, it absolutely it, doesn't fit. Yeah, because he's just telling you what's happening. Like, had they gone in to make it like that, it probably could have worked. Yeah, but that was not the intention. No. So shoving it, in, and the thing is, you can hear it. Oh, God, Harrison yeah. Ford. He's in a voice booth going, right, let's get this over with as quickly as possible. I am droning out the lines here. So, doesn't do well. No. And um, then they also added a a happy ending. Uh, Quote-unquote happy ending (laughs) using some... They basically just spliced together some unused footage from The Shining. Yeah. Like, to to sort of give the impression that Deckard and Rachel are driving off into a happy green... Which like, doesn't you know, exist in this freaking world. Doesn't exist in this universe. And uh, there's also there's also like the unicorn stuff, which I think more of, that appeared more of in the later releases. Yeah, I don't it? think it's in the theatrical cut. But I like that, know. for example, that's footage from Legend that was unused. Yeah. The f- yeah. Just patchwork blanket of a movie. Yeah. Like, it's so strange. But like that happened because then it came to video, didn't it? Home video mm. on like the TV cut. I think it was ninety two. The director's cut mm. out there. Yeah, and and Ridley Scott basically went, "There is stuff I want to change. I'm getting rid of the voiceover." I'm adding this unicorn stuff. I'm going to put a bit of ambiguity as to whether or not Deckard is also one of the replicants that he hunts down. Like, And he's the only person mm. that wanted to do that. Yeah. Everyone else involved with the film, the yeah. writers, Harrison Ford, yeah. everyone else is just like, no, Deckard's not a replicant. But that's the thing. It's like, why? Why Why is that even a plot point? And I've, I've seen people argue for it and people argue against it. But I think ultimately Scott's intention was more like, it adds a level of complexity to him being a Blade Runner. You know, someone charged with finding these these manufactured people and shutting them, retiring them. Because um, for those who don't know the basic premise, I mean, spoiler alert for Blade Runner, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, de- uh, it's in the, the future of 2019 and the world, it's sort of softly implied that the world is fucked. Like, it, like cities are very industrial and closed in. Commercialism and, you know, like, capitalism is, is completely dominant in this, you know, sort of steampunk slash Nostromo-style, like, way of existence. Yeah. Everything's pipes and steam and glass and, and freaking hookers and giant Coca-Cola and Atari advertisements and things like this. And a Deckard is a Blade Runner. He works for the, the law enforcement. His job is to track down replicants, artificially created people. Yeah, not robots. Not robots. Like, they are robots in the sense that they were built, but they are flesh and blood. I think they're designed, but they're sort of grown. Yeah, well, when I say robot, I mean in the sense that they they are manufactured for a purpose. Yeah. Um, But they are are people. Uh, They have a... It's this whole nature... Basically, the whole thing is about the nature of the soul. Yeah. Uh, they're made by the oh, what they call what's it called the company that makes them uh, Tyrell Tyrell the Tyrell Corporation make them and they're basically slave labor they're human slaves built for slavery yeah um, 
Some of them have like more specific jobs, like you know, medics. There are like military that. and combat military units. Combat units. There's manual labor units. There's pleasure units. Giggity goo um, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Uh, but basically, a certain batch of them are considered obsolete because either they're trying to extend their life or like crimes have been committed. No, they've, they've no what, it is, of... is, what it is is because of an uprising in the earlier models, they're hmm. illegal on Earth. That's it. Oh, so of course, because, yeah, that's why I always, so I always forget that Blade could, Runner is set in a universe where people are off-world. Yeah, most people yeah. are off-world, because Earth is fucked. Yeah. So if people can, they've gone to the colonies. Yeah. They're, the only people left are the people who can't leave. Yeah, all the, all the incredibly rich who are using Earth as a manufacturing plant. Yeah. Um, um, who are living the high life in their, like, wonderfully artificially created, like, p- palaces yeah. inside the buildings and stuff. Like, they live... Like freaking kings. So what what happens is you've got the these... moment they step out their door, it's like fuck. Oh, yeah. it's, it's horrible. But like you know, they're inside grand mansions or pyramids of gold and all this shit. It's um. Yeah. What what's happened <laughs> is you've got a group of replicants who've escaped back to Earth mm-hmm. from the off-world colonies. That's thing it, being yeah. that to stop to help stopping to stop them becoming self-aware enough to stage a rebellion. They built in a four-year lifespan for the mm. next six models. Yeah, which is the current model. Yeah, as of Blade Runner. Yeah, as of the year twenty nineteen. Yeah, year of our Lord twenty nineteen. Um, so four of these replicants have come back to Earth to try and extend their lifespans. Yeah, they, they, they've 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 heard tell of ways that can help make them live longer. Yeah, and of course the the rebellion for them. And it becomes a lot of it becomes clear due to like Rutger Hauer's character and and his um his improv freaking dialogue yeah because um, he's freaking great in that movie he's and he's, amazing, he's probably yeah. the reason why it ends on such a note that it does like for me the best scene in that movie is his final moments yeah. not the scenes that follow no. um like that's what I remember that's what resonated with me the most when I finally did sit down to watch it um but like they. It's it's the nature of the soul. It's like we're alive. Yeah. Like don't discount us. Like we exist. That makes us. Like, we have a soul. Like that's what what this is fucking about. You know, because it's, it's the book in it. Do androids dream of electric sheep? It's yeah. like you know to dream. To, to, to was it to oh, what's the freaking Shakespeare line to dream a chance to uh to to damn it. I think we've got just chance to dream to dream chance to I don't know. I think we've basically just failed yeah. every qualification we've ever earned in performing. <laughs> To sleep, the chance to dream, but I don't yeah. know what the context of it is. No, no but, but it's that whole idea of yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's what true, like, you know. I think you what, do a lot what, of what is... there. I don't think that's oh, no, but, but, but I, but I think, I, I mean, I'm re- I'm sort of repurposing that thing. For the, Stop it's, repurposing it. It's the idea Just of purpose like, it. what qualifies as being alive, truly alive. Which, to be fair, in science fiction, has been a theme, like, what? since Asimov. Metropolis. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it predates them. Yeah. Uh, or, no, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah. This, this isn't a, like, a new concept. Like, well, no. the 80s didn't introduce it. I mean, even Star Wars doesn't touch on things like that, but, like, C3PO and R2D2 are very much characters. They're not yeah. just functions. They have personality, and your line blurs. You don't come away from the movie going, oh, those robots were funny. You come away, yeah. from, you come away from it going, oh, I love those characters. They are very much machines, though, and where mm. Blade Runner is, is different yeah. is that these are organic, biological... They're considered machines by the people around them. Yeah. But they are... They're treated like machines, but they are biological. Hmm. Genetically engineered and constructed, but biological. Um, 
So that's, I mean, there's your basic premise, but like you say, it's a mood, it's a mood board. Yeah. The movie's an art gallery, not a storybook. And it's, it's, even now, it's beautiful. It still looks gorgeous. I mean, I, we, we talked about this like yesterday. I, I, having recently seen it, I've only seen it twice now. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't have the same affinity for it that like yourself and lots of others I've talked yeah, yeah. to have. But it's one of those movies that the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh, you know what? That was really good. Yeah. And I'm I totally like, get like, like, yeah, it is long and it is slow and not a great deal happens and it's a little boring. But I, I love it for that. And that's going to turn some people off. Like some people are going to bash their head against Blade Runner and just not be able to get into it. And that's yeah. fine. It might be a generational thing, even though in a, in maybe, a way, like I mean, I, I, we're we're very open to stuff from prior to our like childhoods and everything yeah. because because we sort of look at it from that perspective of like you know the art or the performance, the writing, yeah. the direction, like music and stuff and everything. Um, I can understand people younger than us maybe going like, oh yeah, no, I just I just couldn't do it. I, I can't just understand do people younger than me. I can't tell what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's because they had hashtags at the start of every sentence. Yeah, it just throws yeah. you off. But you know what I mean? It's like. I, I, could, I could get why people wouldn't get it. And they, I myself, like, didn't appreciate it on first watching. But the more I think back, the more I go, oh, yeah. yeah. And I can certainly appreciate the effect it has had on science fiction, on storytelling and film going forward. Because now I look at other things and go, oh, shit, that was so influenced by that. And yeah. We get that from that. We were talking about Ghost in the Shell earlier this year and how that adaptation, the live-action adaptation, like, obviously using its own source material, but the trailer was giving off such heavy Blade Runner vibes. I think, but I think also the source material probably pulled from Blade Runner quite a bit. Yeah, but but, but again, that's it's the snowball effect of like yeah. it's it's you know it, it's born again. But to make sure that Blade Runner retains its Blade Runneriness, here we are in 2017 with a sequel to Blade Runner. So how do you follow one of the most influential science fiction movies of all time? Easy, you loosely sequelize it, and you make. This is not a direct sequel. It's story. You could watch this it, on its own. I think you could watch this on its yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. And it makes complete sense. And but it's more rewarding if you know the first one. And you also make, if I may be so bold, mm. what could well turn out to be another massively influential visual masterpiece. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh. We're not going to start spoilers yet, but we will go into them. But in it, fact, it, there's it, not it's... much we can say about it without spoiling it, because yeah. it throws some things at you in, like, the first scene mm. that aren't in any of the trailers yeah. and things like that. So I don't <clears> want to <throat> talk too much about plot specifics. Yeah, of course. But um, um, I, th- I think what we could basically get into is there is something, something that's been discovered within the world of the replicants that uh, a current Blade Runner, K, played by Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. is tracking down that has been discovered that it would just be for the best interests of the people trying to keep replicants un- under, you know, control yeah. to get rid of. So there is evidence that needs disposing of. So he has to investigate the nature of this thing, look into it, and eradicate everything about it he finds along the way. Problem is, he's too intrigued and too invested, because what it is, is fucking fascinating. Yeah. And may or may not be more personal quest for him than he assumed in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, as far as we'll go for the plot. Yeah. Uh, it does. It does tie in to the events of the first movie in a way. Certain characters' um, story between the films influences stuff we've learned. We learn in this one. Yeah. So, like I said, if you've seen the first one, you'll definitely go. 
you'll definitely benefit from that watching this because you'll go, oh, so that's it's, what happened I mean, next. They do a good and... job of, of explaining everything. So if yeah. you do the first one... If you'd never uh, seen the first one, you'd get it. I think. Yeah. If, if, they set it up well. If, you, if you've seen the first one, I think you'll know where it's going quicker. Yeah. And also they have this really neat thing where again, I don't want to. I don't want to get through the plot points, but this mm. is also there's three short films that kind of fill the gap between Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. I've heard about um, yeah. uh, the Blackout, yeah, which is uh, an talk, anime, isn't it? Set in yeah. 2022. Because they talk about this, they refer to the Blackout a lot. Yes, yeah, they talk they, yeah. about the Blackout, which basically wiped out a lot of the digital data mm. that they had on file. Yeah, so because, I wish they make a, the guy at the archive sort of makes a point of like we really didn't have much left. Yeah, like all we did have left was paper. And it was surprising. Yeah. Because people were like... Because wood, of course, in this world is very fucking rare. Yeah. There aren't any trees rare. anymore. So, yeah. So, like, all they had was things that were etched or old, old-ass records yeah, on yeah. paper. Um, which, obviously, had to be hidden. Lest mm-hmm. people take them and sell them for, like, the profit material, of, of, yeah. of owning paper. Um, and um, yeah, so they've built back what they can. But do you, do, do you know what the blackout what is? Uh, it was uh, replicants trying to do it on purpose, wasn't it? Yeah, basically. What again? I've not watched the short films. I do need to watch them to, to catch up because these blackout again. Though it's not they're is... not essential to see. No, no. But it, it's the animatrix. But there's two live action. Yeah, ones. the animatrix slash Gotham Knight kind of thing, isn't it? Of if you see these, it's yeah. a cool little bonus that that but fills you. There's in two on live action ones that star the cast of Twenty Forty Nine. Really? Like, there's one with. Are these online then? Yeah, yeah, they're all on YouTube. They'll be on the Blu-ray as well. Won't the they? With... I imagine they'll put them on there too. There's one with Nyanda Wallace as played by Jared Leto introducing okay. the Nexus Eight series. I've seen footage from that. Yeah. Yes, and there's one with Sapper Morton played by Dave Batista. Yeah. Uh, taking place like I think about a year before Twenty Forty Nine. Okay. Whereas like he saves helps people out in trouble but it kind of risks blowing his cover mm. um, he he was a lovely addition I'd forgotten oh, yeah, he was in he's it he's brilliant in this he's only he's only in it he's in it for a scene yeah but he's he, so he, good he underplays it yeah. in a really nice way he's, he's sort of playing older than he actually is as well yeah. which I believe like, was it in the it might have been the Mr. Sunday movies video I think it nearly cost him the role yeah, they yeah. wanted him for it but they were like you might be too young but they sort of find they the way that his makeup's done and they, they you know, his, well, gra- his, his grades are on show and they've sort of thinned it was his, his hair out. screen test as well. Like, yeah. yeah Denny Villeneuve was, was reluctant until they saw the screen test and was like, actually, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. He's good. Because I noticed that. I was like, oh, Dave Batista was in balding. And it's like, no, they've thinned his hair out on yeah. purpose. Like, you know. Um, I mean, we normally see him as bald because he's usually bald and green. There's, there's, <laughs> there's so many great performances in this movie. Yeah. The cast is incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, we, won't, we won't talk too much about him yeah. now in non-spoilers, but like, Ford is invested. He's so invested. It's like watching him in Force Awakens again in that thing where he's gone like, oh, I don't need to do that again. Oh, oh, that's the angle. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, all yeah. for that. And you can tell he's enjoying because he's not... Deckard is in this movie. He's not the central focus. He's no. not the hero. He is part of the plot. And I think Ford enjoyed that. I think he enjoyed not being... Which is a bit misleading in the marketing, because obviously the marketing wants to make a point of being like, Harrison Ford is back for the sequel. Yeah. But Decker doesn't even really show up until like the final third, pretty much. Yeah. Of the movie. And and that's not giving anything away. That's just... Um, if you're going into it expecting a Harrison Ford fest, I think it's best you know that, no, he's part of this tale. Yeah. He's not the main... Ba- like, this is a Ryan Gosling movie. And, and dear God, he is he excellent. Is fucking brilliant in here. He's so good. Because um, there's so much he's having to say 
without ever saying it in this film. Oh my, there's so much you stuff get into, going on behind You want to go into eyes, the man. nature of the soul angle oh, of Blade man. Runner? He is having to act his socks off behind a facade of not showing anything. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Um, I think he's only second to me in terms of the performances to... Um, I'm trying to remember her name, but he... I'm pulling up the cast list. Yeah, now. there's an artificial intelligence that he interacts with in oh, his spare Joy. time. Uh, Joy. She's played by Anna... What's uh, the actress's name now? Um, she, yeah, she's wonderful in this. She's, she's... incredible. She's absolutely... And she, she's, um, such a, she's such a very Blade Runner-esque concept Anna de Armas. Well. Anna de Armas. Yeah. She's phenomenal. She's fantastic in this, And, yeah. and she's a very Blade Runner-esque concept. Like, her character... Yeah. It's, uh, her character's existence, her function... You're like, oh, that is both very sweet and really depressing. I don't think it's spoilers to, to get into the nature of, of of joy. Well, she well she's an AI. Yeah, she's basically, the, the... basically she's an AI. There's a range. I say a range. There's an AI girlfriend. Yeah. That the that the Wallace Corporation, which is the the corporation that took over Tyrell, that Jared Leto's Nyan the Wallace runs. Uh, he's excellent yeah. as well. He's menacing. Yes, he's he's actually really good in this. Mm. Um. Um, so they sell this virtual girlfriend called Joy, and Ryan Gosling's character has one, mm. um, and that's that's his. That's like the extent of his interpersonal relationship. Yeah, but she's, he, he comes she's home fabulous. and she's there to to make yeah. him feel at home. Um, like not in a not in a like hey kind of way, like not at all. She's basically there to like give him someone to come home to. Uh, Sylvia Hooks is love. She's excellent. Is oh, the, do you know um, actually? I think, I think I think I yeah. think I think those two are tied maybe for the best performance. She's she's a uh, Naya Wallace's um replicant enforcer. She's sort mm. of Well she she's she's like his secretary and sort of company uh, PR person. Yeah. Yeah. But is also the one who gets her hands dirty if he needs something investigated. She does what needs to be done. Yeah, she's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> like she's um... frightening. Uh, oh god, who's the who's the who's the chief? Robin oh, Wright. Robin Wright. Of is, course, uh, she's the she's... she's 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 playing a very stereotypical part that is usually reserved for a gruff like sixty year old bloke with like stubble and a she's cigar. She's playing the Emma Walsh part from the original. Yes, and she <laughs> she does an excellent job of it because it is very by the numbers. But as the film goes on, she sort of she's allowed to put her own kind of angle on it also because but Robin... it's also fun to see that it's very different to see like you know a very elegant elder woman well instead. it's also because robin wright has aged perfectly. she's aged she's aged like the vodka her character next she is like this is gonna sound really creepy <laughs> show for it she's like soft supple almost uncracked leather stretched over a fantastic feminine frame she's elegant and strong and powerful and she'll snap you in half, and and she'll seduce you at the same time. Robin Wright is Robin Wright. Just one. Robin Wright plays Robin Wright. Yeah, she's a, she. If you haven't seen House of Cards on Netflix, just go mm. watch that because she's fucking incredible in that. We got we got a bookend uh, the fil- film bookend with her this year, didn't we? Really? In a yeah. Way. yeah like, with the summer was bookended by yeah, Wonder Woman. By Wonder Woman and um, this. But yeah, um, no. I mean, the the cast is just not stellar. And I mean. As, as visual a director as Denis Villeneuve is, he also mm. gets incredible. If you saw Arrival, yeah, he also gets incredible performances from actors. And before that, I think he did Prisoners, which is a very mm. that's a crime movie. Like it's not a genre piece at all. Yeah, that's the uh, um, Hugh Jackman. Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I've not seen it. I hear it's brilliant, mm. but um, so you know he's he's uh, as de- much as he is a visual director, he's definitely get he's definitely gets 
cracking performances from his cast. But his his eye for visuals, I think, was the thing that makes this definitely feel oh, like it belongs in the same God. world. This film has some it's... of the most stunning imagery you will see this year at the top anything you saw last year. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, here's it... the thing. It doesn't look the same as the last one. No, but, but enough but of it, it crosses over. It's like a jigsaw piece. Yeah. Like... You've, you've got a jigsaw and split. Say you've got a jigsaw. One side's Blade Runner, one side's Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and down the yeah. middle there are pieces where the interlocking bits have a bit for both of them on. But, yeah, because it, this is done... definitely that. Like there is some of Blade Runner in this movie, absolutely. What they've done which when is they're very in the smart. Ci- when they're in like the cities and stuff, it feels like you're in Blade Runner. Is they've not they've not gone okay. This is what twenty forty nine will look like starting from now. Yeah, they're like this is what the world of Blade Runner like looks like thirty years later. Yeah. It's very much a development of that. So there style. is the familiarity. Yeah. But like the ad campaigns, for example, they are bigger. There are holograms now. It's not yeah. just screens. The world is even more fucked. Yeah. They're, I mean, like, climate's fucked. Yeah. There's a location that they travel to a couple times in the movie that is like a snow covered environment where it's yeah. constantly snowing. And it's not that far from like the city area. The entirety of San Diego is mm. a landfill site. Yes. That was a nice touch. When um, that came up, it was like, yeah. oh my god, okay, fair enough. And you saw the scope, you saw the scale of it from above. Yeah. Um, you get a sense of how manufacturing is working, both uh, legally and like black market yeah. style, in a way where you're like, oh, that's fascinating, but also really depressing. Um, like, a, a lot of crops have died off, so people, like, people farm worms for mm. protein. Yeah. It's Vegas. Vegas. Vegas is incredible. It's Dust Bowl. It's actually yeah. inspired by... Um, yeah, there was a film the, from a few years ago, wasn't no, no, there? No, there was a sandstorm in Sydney. Oh, that was it, yeah, the footage a few of years the, back. Where it was just orange. Yeah, it's just everything's... I'll see if I can... I, 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 I think I've seen the image, yeah. I've seen the opera house. You, you can just make out, like, the, 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 the dips in it, the black, like, sort of shadow of the dips in the opera house's fins. And there's just this beautiful sequence of... of and you'll have seen a chunk of it in the trailers of Ryan Gosling exploring this... This just sunbaked <laughs> orange wasteland. Yeah. And walking through like the, the remnants of, of the Las Vegas strip. I'll be at the Las Vegas strip of the twenty twenties, twenty thirties, whatever. The Blade Runnery version of the Las think, Vegas strip. I think they imply that some kind of dirty bomb went off. Something also, something's yeah. happened which has left left the area irradiated yeah. in a way a few decades back and people now still don't go there. Yeah. Like they just avoid it. A bit like Chernobyl. Yeah, like he he and others are aware that like the radiation is not of a level where it will kill you. But whatever it was, it was but sudden people because, stay away. Like, yeah. like as he's going into the like the old hotel, like there's glasses still on the tables and and papers. There is a layer, thick layer of yeah. dust on the carpet. But and like but ha- like it's like clearly... hand luggage is where it was left. Yes, people yeah. clearly just dropped. Like, basically, really fucked Ve- off. Vegas is the Marie Celeste. Yeah. Like, it's just and abandoned. It's, it's gorgeous. But yeah, not, that does not um, mean there isn't someone living there. Yeah, look up look up pictures of the 2009 <laughs> Australian sandstorm, and that's what inspired the visuals yeah, for that. Phenomenal. It's beautiful. Um, so you get so much orange, you get so much blue. There's um, an action scene which takes place basically in the dark <laughs> with a single lighted area yeah. that's being battered by water. Yeah. And it's oh, just, God, yeah. it's just the things that considering where that was after. in the movie, I was so impressed with how small scale yeah. that was yeah, because yeah. it it it's not what Hollywood would expect you to have at that moment, yeah. and it but it's it means so much. And again, it is a mood board. I will say that we'll sort of wrap up here pre spoilers. Um, I will say this: 
I did enjoy this one more, but that just might be because my film sensibilities obviously are catered more to cinema. I think it might cinema. be better. In terms of, in terms of it, mm. it certainly has a stronger narrative. Yeah. It's story, um, I say it's story is more basic. I um, would argue that the story is... Because we're not cutting back and forth between two things happening yeah. and catching each other up. We're, we're, sort, we're sort of just following Kay's story I think the structure's with, more with straight, flashes yeah. of other things. The structure's more or, straightforward, but yeah. the narrative is more complex. There's yeah. more going in, in, on. In terms of the weight of things, there's definitely more to this one. Yeah. Like there's in more... the last one, it's take out those four people or we're fucked. Yeah. There is a in mystery this one, in this yeah. and, and Kay is a detective and he does detective work and there are things that he uncovers that you don't know. Yeah, that so, then. yeah, I heard that. That was weird. Um, I'll have a quick look. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just going to keep talking about Blade Runner. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I, I think this movie surpasses, in some ways, the original, just because it's not afraid to double down on what's so good about the original. Like, it's a long film. It's like nearly three hours long. But it revels in its running time. It doesn't rush anything. You get long, uninterrupted scenes of, 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 of things just, well, happening. Yeah. But nothing actually happening. <laughs> and it, it's just a joy to sort of sit and soak, marinate in that atmosphere, which the film drips with. You've got this incredible uh, score um, that evokes the original Vangelis score from, from Blade Runner without aping it without copying it um it's by uh Hans Zimmer and uh Benjamin Wolfish um and again it's it, it leans into that original Blade Runner feel of that electronic and yet sort of ethereal um soundscape the music and, was amazing yeah because it evokes that Vangelis stuff yeah. so well I think, this, I think weirdly, like my favourite thing about the movie was the sound design. Like, if I had to pick one thing that, like, to me, was like that, they ne- oh yeah, the music yeah. And, and the editing for the sound and everything was gorgeous. Because it, it, some of some of this soundtrack was so industrial that it became unclear where the line was between sound, soundtrack, and sound design. Yes, yeah, oh. and that was the way that played into the whatever was happening on screen, and certainly into the internal feelings of the characters was mm. just beautiful. Just go and see Blade Runner 2049. It yeah. is one of the most beautiful things that you will see. It is so very, very <sighs> worth your time. Uh, whether, you, whether, not... you like, whether you like or have seen the original or not, this is worth checking out. Um, prepare to sit your butt down. It it's, is, it's, it's like two hours, 35 minutes, long. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, sit your butt down. Um, brace yourself just to feel. Be taken, be taken yeah. on a bit of a journey. You've got to be um, in the mood for a long film. Yeah. It's just going to wash over you. That's and what it is. Don't bring any noisy snacks. Don't bring any noisy snacks. Because <laughs> we did. And then we're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> Some of it's very loud. Some of it's, most of it's very quiet. Let's spoil the fuck out of it for those who've seen it. Let's spoil, like you read about, in Spoil Me magazine. Starting spoilers in three, two, one. Everybody dies! Everybody no, dies. no. We always say Um... um Fuck me. Yeah, so... Um, this movie, man. Kay's a replicant. Yes. Which... He's a replicant under the service of the police. Which isn't in any of the trailers, but I don't think it's considered a spoiler because... No, like, it has been mentioned in blurbs, yeah. but I don't think it's been emphasised how integral him being a replicant is to this. No. Because it's not like he... It's not like he, halfway through his duty, is like, no, I'm doing the wrong thing, I should fight. He Throughout the whole thing, he's like, yeah, you're right, I've, I, I've been made 
to do this, or at least yeah. have been repurposed to do this post the blackout. There is whatever. that. There is... Like I need yeah. to, I, I I I retire replicants. I don't enjoy it, but that's what I do. Well, does and that's he what enjoy I enjoy anything. Is is the question? Well, like, yeah. Oh my I, god! But I, think, that's, like, I mean, he's the he's the nature of the soul personified yeah. for this movie, because... which I think is interesting because it's like we were saying before the this science fiction idea of are androids people yeah. goes so far back to the point where it's not really a question anymore. Mm. Like, yes, they are. We've yeah. we've had enough stories dealing with that theme that we know that they are. Yeah, there is life there. So, in whatever capacity it might be. There is life. And again, like, instead Rutger Hauer sums it up in the first one with yeah, the whole, yeah. like, you know, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Like, I, you know what I mean? I have lived. Yeah. I have lived. That makes me alive. And my memories are going to die with me. Yeah. That, that makes me alive. The fact that my memories go when I go. Yeah. But, like, uh, you can't up- upload my brain somewhere and keep it. I'm not a fucking file of facts. Yeah. Like, although, although you can archive people's memories in this mm, universe. Oh, yeah. Um, but are they real but memories? We already knew that. But are they real memories? Um, we already knew that because it's in, that's in the first Blade Runner. Yeah. Because Rachel's got implanted memories from Tyrell's niece. Yes. Because she's the first replicant of like Tyrell's the... experiment. She's a yeah. prototype. Yeah. Um, she, she's one of Tyrell's experiments. And possibly um, one of two, if you're Ridley yes. Scott. If you're Ridley um, Scott, or one of the people who genuinely likes the theory of Descartes possibly being a replicant. Which I'm, I'm neither here nor there on, like, I, I honestly have no strong opinion either way. I prefer him being a dude... I always, I always assumed when I saw the film that they were hinting that maybe he's involved in this in a more of a way, but it might be more of a case of like someone's monitoring. I always took the whole unicorn origami yeah. thing to be like, oh, we know what you're dreaming about. Not necessarily because he's a replicant. Do you know what I mean? But, right. but more because like they're going, you know, we, you know, maybe it's something to do with like the tech. I always assumed maybe they could see into his head or like it's been implanted. Which would make sense, because in this movie, they don't outright answer whether or not he was a replicant. No. They leave it open to interpretation. Which I think is brilliant. Still, which like, is genius. Yeah. Because yeah. they basically go like, you know, maybe maybe you aren't manufactured, but maybe you were engineered to be part of this. And they, they Like, you have been led for your life, led in a way that your life would go in that direction. Which is nice. To help us create the next thing. Because a lot of the questions that are raised in this movie are then answered. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a satisfying movie in that sense that it leave it. You don't it, go away going. Well, hang on, that no, we still don't know what that's about. But you go you away do, going. Oh, we know what everything was about. You do leave going. What's oh, next? Yeah, yeah. Not in the way that I necessarily want a sequel. Agreed. Yeah. But, I think if you ever do, if a sequel's going to happen, I'll happily wait for it for another thirty-five years. Yeah, like we don't because like this it's, doesn't need you know, a sequel. This is open-ended in the same way that the first one was open-ended. We don't need a sequel for this. It's open-ended um, in the sense that revolution of a sort is coming. Yeah. Um, and also, but not in an, not an Independence Day resurgence. Like we're gonna give them hell uh, in the sequel. What's well, so that's not happening? No. Okay. Right. What's that? This uh, film was terrible. Oh, sorry. Okay. But, I still think it's some guilty pleasures to be having an Independence Day resurgence. Get out of my dreams and you into my you, car. You know I'm right though. No, guil- you know Brent I'm Spiner right. is not a guilty pleasure. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brent Spiner's never been guilty of anything in his life. <laughs> um, um, androids. Where are you? Um, uh, no, it's not androids. What's this um, thing about? Oh my god, what's this thing about? I can't remember what this thing's about. You, that's a big little. Big, oh god, I can't remember. I can't remember. Some, ah. some bullshit. Some about androids. Um, da- data. Speaking of data. Data. Um, um, but yes, so, so Gosling's got memories. Yes. Kay has memories of being all, a child. All replicants have and he's all, yeah, but he's exactly, yeah, they, they're done in a way where it's not like they're given some things to sort of think about. It's yeah. like, 
yeah, no, you are like um, Sean Young, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. You're like Rachel was. You have been given a personality. You've been, you've given, you've been given memories, memories that will influence how you act and yeah. how you respond. And specifically, a... he's got mem- he's got very specific childhood memories. Yeah. But he's aware that, no, these have been put in my head. I know yeah. these have been put in my head. But they're, they're there so they allow them to have a human emotional response. Yeah. And allow them to basically be created emo- already emotionally mature rather than have to learn that behavior in the short life. But, but also, replicants don't have fixed lifespans anymore. Yeah. Like, they are either retired or like, changed more... or pliable they're more controllable yeah they're they're an advanced version of what we've seen before yeah uh the like because like i said like he's he's killing the replicants and it's like does that bother you and he's like i i, I will do the order i don't have to like it but i will do it and he's basically yeah. saying like i don't like killing other replicants but that's what i do yeah and that's fine like i will do it because i'm asked to do it it's like so they are basically completely but of course as the movie goes on he starts to deviate from his task of eliminating the evidence because he starts to realise that not only is he invested in it, he might be it. Yeah. Um, because it turns out... Oh my god, it's amazing. So basically, a child has been born of a human and a replicant. Namely? Namely, Deckard and Rachel. Which is a genius. As soon as I realised yeah. that was where they were going with it, I was like, oh my god, that is genius. As soon as as soon as they pulled those bones out and said it was a female, I knew mm. exactly where they were going with it. Yeah, did you figure you were like, that's, yeah, Rachel. that's Rachel. It's going to be Rachel. Um, oh my god. I mean, that that alone is a great idea because it means, like, her, her as the prototype, she was created to conceive. She was given the ability to conceive, which I don't think they ever touch on in the first film, like whether or not replicants no, can don't. or not, but you sort of get the sense that they're artificially created. They well, probably, the, the they probably don't. Film... They probably, I mean, they all have sex, yeah. but... Like you've got, you got like pleasure ones and everything. They're obviously not going to get pregnant. The story like, for this film yeah. was written by Hampton Fanshawe, who co-wrote the first one, so yeah. it is moving off a lot of the same concepts. And they do also talk about uh, what uh, Wallace, um, Jared's <clears throat> character, is very pissed off mm. because he doesn't feel like he can make enough replicants yeah. quick enough. So he needs them to be able to procreate. Yeah. Basically, so he can create his own slave race that will perpetuate themselves. Yeah. But Add on to knows... that, I think there's that frustration as well that, like, Tyrell's prototype... Yeah, he knows that Tyrell ...managed to do it. Yeah, yeah. But, he, but he hasn't been able to replicate it. Yeah. <laughs> replicate. Uh-huh. Um, so, so he's infuriated. So he wants, yeah. to, he wants to track down the father, if he's still alive, and I think he has the suspicion that Deckard is out there. So um, like yeah. Gos- Gosling leads yeah, them yeah. to him. They basically piggyback on Gosling's investigation from afar to find out more themselves. Yeah. But they realise that if I find the father, I can get the information from him that I'm that might be the secret to this. Um, and fuck it, I'll create another Rachel to sort of sweeten the deal. And it's like well, she's not quite the same. Voice is a bit too high. Eyes are the wrong colour. I don't get the voice thing. I think I think that's intentional. I th- I, th- I think it's Sh- it's Sean Young. I didn't notice it, but. So yeah, whatever. Casey pointed out, but like I, I thinking about that, I'm like, I think that was onto. I think that was intentional. I think it's so she's not quite right. Like the way she walks in in that moment is almost exactly the same as that shot. Well, she's not quite right because it's, it's CGI. Not, right. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, like, I mean, like, there's a couple of details to be like, yeah, yeah she's not the same. She's like, got the wrong colour eyes. Don't try and say to me this is exactly the same. Like, I'm gonna have you know a basically immortal sex doll version of my former lover. Like, Deckard I don't look, care. Deckard looks at me like. She had green eyes. And just walks away. But he has that moment. You can see him spending a moment. Yeah, being like, yeah. Oh my God, Like we're together again for a second, but this is wrong. It's not her. Get what I need. Have that cathartic moment. And then back away and go, yeah, she's wrong. 
No, we quite then, love just shooting. Shoots her in the face. <laughs> Fucking oh god. Um. So, Kay starts to learn that it's entirely possible. Like he learns that a child was born and was muddled up in the records. Yeah. And they don't know if the child was male or female because there is an identical record for a male. Um, a replicant of yeah. a young age and a female replicant. The female there's no was, other details, yeah. but the female apparently died and the male moved on. The female apparently died of a genetic defect at birth. Yes. And the male was lost in the system. Yeah. So he starts to track down the male child. And he comes it? to believe yeah. it's him. He comes to believe it's him. The and the thing is, it turns out, yeah, by the end of the movie you realise yeah. it was him, but not really. He's not the kid, yeah. he's the decoy. He's but, the, he's the male out of the two. So like, basically, he's got the memories of her. It to, turns out, that yeah, the, the memories that he's got are from are real memories from a woman who creates memories for replicants. Yeah, it is now illegal to put real memories into replicants. They have mm. to be created. So there are people who create memories. That was gorgeous visual. She plays yeah. that so well. That, that, that one scene, she owns it so She's much. Wonderful, the actress who plays her. But especially turned, when it snap cuts to it and it's yeah. just lush greenery. And you're like, wait, what? And then the bug starts changing. And you say, oh, she's like, it's, that device is amazing. Yeah, it's like a camera lens with, the, with no end. It's, it, and with yeah. little buttons, and she's just twisting it, and like the, the, the beetle sort of has like a fly head now, and its eyes change shape, and it's got horns, and then yeah. and she's basically just shaping it, and she shapes the birthday party. It's like, oh my god, this it's is so beautiful. sweet. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And her performance um, is, is great. Like she, you Basically, when you first meet this character, you, you, you're told that like for whatever reason, like her parents are off world, and she was unwell. So she was quarantined for her own safety. She's but... got she's got a uh, compromised immune system, so she has to live in a sterile environment. Yeah, although it's probably not true at all, is but it? Is it? It's though? probably not true. Well, it could be, but I wouldn't be Again, surprised if it wasn't it. true, and it was just basically part of the creation to make sure she was kept there because... and not found, because no one would be able to trace her back unless no. someone like Kay was investigating it. And, this and way. It's unclear whether how much of this that she knows, mm-hmm. but she's. She, the doctor who creates the memories, oh, what's the name of her? Um, she creates the memories. Her name is. Finding out the name of the lady in the cast list for some reason. Doctor Anastelline. She's played by Carla Jury. She is actually the daughter of Rachel and Deckard. Right. So it was the daughter that survived, and the and the boy um, was a duplicate. Yeah, and it's possibly um, it's possible that the boy is is K, like like definitely for sure because the mem- her memories have been put in him. No, the boy is not K. Oh, there is no boy. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I thought like it, it was this thing that if someone ever did track it down, they track it to him, and it'd be like, oh, no, right. well, it's okay, no, the boy, so... the boy's not K. Okay. There is no boy. Right, so we throw ah. Okay. She had a girl. But she they, didn't have but, two children. She had a girl. Oh no! Oh no! No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It, there wasn't like two kids. No. But like, like when they've decided to create this parallel. No, thing. no, because what the resistance lead, there's, there's an underground res, replicant resistance. She says, yeah. to, she says to him, so many of us have wished it was us. Shit! So he's one so of that many. Means that oh my god! Memory, so a bunch of them have been made with of, those memories yeah. as a clue to so help she's find been put in her <gasps> memory okay. in a bunch of different replicants, presumably just because she's using a memory. She's like, here's yeah. a memory, even though she's but that's illegal. She can't. Yeah. She's not allowed to do that, and she knows she's not allowed to do that, right? Because she's the one who so tells again, me that she can't do so it. So again, it's implying maybe she knows. Yeah. 
or at least she knows that she has to put this out there to some people. Because when when Deckard arrives at the end, they don't have a moment of her being like, "Oh my god!" They don't say anything. They don't say anything. She she walks over to the glass, and then the last the last shot of the film Mm. is from her point of view of him putting his hand on the glass. Mm. That's it. Yeah. So again, open ended, beautiful. Yeah. With Kay dying quietly on the steps outside. Oh yeah, to the same music that, or a version of the same music that Rutger Hauer dies to in the first. What's Rutger Hauer's character in the first one called? Uh, Roy Batty. Batty, that's it. Um, um, Batty Roy. Batty Roy. Um, uh, <laughs> this, I mean, that just it's so, it's so good. It really is. It's just so good. It really freaking is. Uh, Leto's great. Leto's yeah. really great in this. His character is sort of the off-kilter genius, bit psychotic. You know why he's great? But... Because he's downplaying it? Yeah, because he doesn't yeah. do much. And I like that, just again, they never explain anything. You should interpret yourself. He's blind. Yeah. But he's using these little things to kind of see. Like little cameras. He can put a chip in his neck and he can see from the cameras, which is how yeah. he examines his products. Yeah, and, and, there's, and a, there's a very disturbing scene, scene where he, he he watches one of these replicants come like to it, life. Yeah, it's like she's open. It's, the packaging yeah. is open. And she's basically born... He inspects her, and then he doesn't like it, so he just kills her. Yeah, he doesn't like it. He's just like, yep, she can't re- yeah. she can't procreate, so she is essentially yeah. the same as what I'm already doing. This is pointless. And, and he just see that frustration. He cu- yeah, he cuts open a wound. He cuts yeah. open where the wound would be. He cuts open the gut, and then just leaves the bleed. Just leaves the bleed out. Yeah. Horrible, but gorgeous visual. Obviously, it's not gut. It's freaking horrible. But I mean, like the way they do it with the colours. Yeah, like she's covered in this orange stuff, and she's sort of cleaned up a bit. But then you see the red run down her legs, which these oranges contrasting with the stark dark reds, and oh man, it's horrible to it's watch. And un- you can see that Love is sort of uncomfortable with it, like even though Love is terrifying. I think Love is uncomfortable with a lot of stuff yeah. that happens in this film. Like, well, because she's wa- think... she's watching people like her being sort of cast aside, but at the same time, she still sort of she gets enjoyment from enforcing on his behalf. Yeah, you can tell she enjoys violence, like. She's she's fine patrolling and taking meetings and meeting clients, but when she gets her hands dirty, she's loving every fucking second of it. And yet she does seem to be conflicted about a lot of it, because she does shed yeah. a tear or two. Yeah. But all the same, she will, like, oh, you want me to kill him? Okay. Oh, yeah. She takes pleasure in yeah. killing the coroner. Poor yeah. David Desmolchin. <gasps> David Desmolchin gets a small chin. Oof. That is wonderfully gruesome. Yeah. What happens to his character? Um... There is some violence in here, man. Yeah. Like, there is some like, the crushing of a hand around the glass. And then, like, because uh, I think we were debating last night, was she crushing to break it? I don't think she was breaking the hand. I think she was just squeezing her hand hard enough so that the glass was oh, embedding yeah, yeah. in. Um, there's a bit where a drone takes out a, a load bunch of, of scavengers. Scavengers, like, in very violent. There's a bit, what you don't, it's not focused on, but one of them freaking explodes. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, there's, there's this stuff, is in, violence exists in this world for oh, sure. Yeah. Let's let's talk about um, sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about sex. This very very strange um, AI cyber mm. sex reason. Yeah, well, jo- Joy. The reason why I think that might be the strongest performance in the movie is because she's. It's again, it's delving in the nature of the soul. She's yeah. playing essentially a piece of software. It's it's her. And how it, it's the movie yeah, her, yeah. but played with a bit more poignancy and slightly less creep factor. And again, there's, there's a wonderful <laughs> ambiguity as to how much of what happens between her and Kay is genuine mm. and how much of it is her programming. Yeah. Well, yeah, she decides to give him a name. She realises he's more than just a, yeah. a, 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 a tin man. Like, he's, you know, he's special. And she gives him a name. She calls him Joe. Like, she, she almost like she's just off the top of her head. She's like, you're Joe. 
Like, you should be Joe. And it's so sweet, because you're like, oh my god. Like, she's she's obviously thought about a name for him. Like, what she would call him. And it's like, that is so... Oh my god, she's invested. This software is invested. It's like if Siri gave a damn. Yeah. It's like, this is... Oh my god, this is touching as fuck. And like, obviously, he doesn't really show much apart from behind his eyes. No. But she does. She shows emotion. But then later, when he's confronted with the, the advertisement for Joy... After she after his Joy has been destroyed. He's been killed in a heartbreaking moment. Yeah. Where there's no like grandiose thing for it. It's just her unit is stomped out. She's saying, I love you. Gone. Gone. Yeah, because he's de- had to delete her back up. Yeah, to take her to take her with because, him and not be tracked down. Yeah, so she can, really can't track him. Um, like she's he's her insistence. He's, he's had yeah. to delete her off of the the smart TV basically to just be on his iPhone. Like yeah. that's essentially what's happened in common parlance. Yeah, and then the iPhone stopped out and she's gone. Yeah. Um, and then he sees the billboard version of her when he's back in the city. Like you know, obviously advertising the product, which we see a few times, yeah, but it's yeah. never focused on apart from during the love scene, the love making scene. Like there's a bit where it shows you, and you sort of go. Like, she's built to do that. She's built to bring pleasure. And obviously, he asks for nothing. Yeah. He doesn't force... He doesn't ask for what a lot of people are probably using the software for. So she makes it special for him. Mm. Like, she... she. But as part of her programming, she's whatever you need to hear. Yeah. What you want to hear, what you want to see. But so the nature of the soul thing comes into play. Because yeah. you're like, no, she cares. But then he sees the advertisement. And the advertisement refers to him as, like, a joke. And yeah. you're like, no, wasn't even a special nickname. Maybe she felt like it was, if she did indeed have feelings for him. Maybe she felt like, you know, she wanted to give him a name and make him feel special. But no, the software just does this. Average Joe, yeah. basically. It's like, oh, But there is, okay. this, there is this bizarre oh, sex and it's, it's that moment where he goes like, yeah, I have nothing left to fight for now. Yeah. I may as well, like, rescue Deckard. He doesn't care anymore because he's like, yeah, the thing I thought I knew is, isn't even real. Going going into the the visual wonders. <laughs> it's horrible. Of it again. I love this, it. This 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 strangely beautiful yet slightly creepy sex scene where mm. there's a prostitute played by Mackenzie's Davis. Yeah, she's a replicant. Isn't she? No, she's human. Is she human? She's human, but she's an agent for the replicant resistance. Ah, gotcha. I thought they were, um, I thought because like she has sort of the hair color of some of the no, she's, she's preferred, she's like that a, sort of punky hair. She's I thought human. they were playing. But she is okay. she is made to resent. She is sort of reminiscent of Pris. Yes, the original. that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, the last few players are used to cosplay as Pris. So, really, yeah. that's a cool little bit of trivia. Um, oh my so, god! Imagine the imagine I doing the first wardrobe test and be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, basically, <laughs> I'm a new Pris. Um, but <laughs> I'm a Swiss. I'm, I'm a Pris miss. Um, um, so, so Joy <laughs> hires this prostitute and sort of imposes her holographic image over her mm. and tries as best as you can to sync the movements mm. of course it doesn't it doesn't quite match so you've got like he's like the, the sort of caressing with with four hands mm. just out of sync with each other and then the face sort of keeps because keeps like flitting in between the two women and it's beautifully it's a beautiful done. thing to look at and it's not like, and, and there is again it depends on how you feel about his relationship to joy yeah and how you think she actually is feeling, whether or not she does have emotional response or it's just part of the programming. It, it's, as a scene, it's both really touching and uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's like, is this literally, is this Siri hiring a prostitute? Yeah. Like, that is that, because if it is, that's weird. Or is this an AI that has kind of gone a bit further, that does love him and is like, I, I want you to have this. I want to have this moment with you and this is how I can Which do it. Which presumably she could if she is a true AI. Yeah, Because exactly. she could yeah. grow beyond the parameters of original programming. But 
that that's left ambiguous and that's again one of the wonderful things about this movie the amount of ambiguity yeah. when he it. first takes her portable to the roof like yeah. he he buys the unit where he can take her outside of of his apartment yeah. she's still holographic she's still not solid but she but, but there's she a bit of a hard there's a bit of a hard light thing going on briefly isn't there she no, no, like, no. feels the rain that's the hologram is it adjusting okay. yeah because nice. she's in the rain yeah. it adjusts on the fly but again, like the way she plays it, it's like she's yeah. feeling it, yeah. And you wonder if that is the program going like, "Oh my god, I've never had to do this before." This, this, yeah. is like whether she's feeling it or not, it's like, "This is amazing. But, yeah, I love this." The program, as, a, as an the AI, program yeah. oh, it's oh to... god, it's so it's so pathetic and yet so beautiful and yeah. poignant and oh god. But she plays that so well. Yeah. I think she is sort of again considering she's just Siri with a face I think she's the soul of the movie yeah I know honestly she's fantastic isn't it? Um, absolutely fantastic Gosling is the steely face of it but there is so much going on behind his eyes yeah. dude's amazing like really incredible, isn't it? Give, it, give him a project where he can shine and he fucking shines and he definitely does in this one and his coat is dope as fuck um, <laughs> it's a good coat I'm a coat man and that is, is a, a good coat, good coat. <laughs> um, Ford is invested you yeah. can tell he likes he likes what he's been given and he's like, yes. Love it. That's reason. not to say like he doesn't give a fuck, but like you watch me something like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and you can see he's oh, sort God, of he doesn't You can see he's like having fun making the movie, but he doesn't really believe in this. Do material. I really have to say this? Um whereas in this it's like, yeah, he's going for it. And you can tell it I think he's probably thriving off of the, the lack of 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 definitive background for what Descartes's been doing for yeah. twenty years. Like as an actor, that's juicy because you can. He, he's probably got in his head an entire history of what Deckard's been doing. Yeah, and, it's, it's, and yeah there's just like, his. There's just his, and no one else knows it. Basically, the idea has been as soon as he knew there was a baby coming along, he showed them how to hide it. Yeah, and fucked off. Yeah, not because he didn't want it, want it to keep to keep the baby yeah. safe. Yeah, because because that's the thing. Even yeah. even when even when Wallace brings him in, it's like we're gonna have to torch you for information. We're gonna take you off world and torch you. I don't know anything. He's like I. He doesn't even say that. He's yeah. just because he knows that no matter what he says, they're gonna get to the point where they're like, right, we're gonna beat the information out of you. And yeah. he's like, I, you can do that because you're never gonna find out. I don't know. Yeah. The only reason he might have an, an inkling now is because of K showing up. Yeah. Um, which complicates things, but obviously, you know, we wouldn't have a story if things which didn't get complicated. <laughs> the resistance want K to then kill Deckard once yeah. he's been captured, and, and I think they're aware that Deckard wants that too. They're yeah. like, yeah. Kill, kill him because, and it will keep... Because Deckard says to Kane, why didn't you let me drown? Yeah. In the, and in... he's like, you did. Yeah. Fires of Ross you did. Now I'm going to take you to see your daughter. Yeah. And I'm going to die on the steps. It's yeah. like, oh, so good. That we were saying before in the, in the non-spoiler bit, like the, the final scene is the is the <sighs> minimal sequence, the minimalist yeah. sequence where basically like uh, Kay shoots down two of, uh, two of the, 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 the craft, the cars that are going yeah. towards the off-world like you know, ships or whatever. Yeah. And then he takes down the one with Deckard in it and basically he and Love have a fight whilst the, the car is going slow, like more and more under the waves basically, being dragged into the sea. This, it's this huge sea defence wall that's been built around Los Angeles. Yeah. Because the sea level has gotten so much higher. And it it's basically, the sea defence wall is where the coast is, which is now around Mulholland Drive. Yeah. That's yeah. where the coast is. Yeah. Christ. Because that's how bad the environment is. That's how fucked the planet Earth is so in this timeline. Enormous sea defence wall, the waves just lapping up against it. And I think they're on the sea side of the ocean side of it. Yeah. So they're yeah. there as the tide's coming in. And so the so the 
the the car is sliding off into the waves as they're coming in and yeah you just get this stark minimalist brutal fight scene in this car is being lapped up by the waves by the black ocean mm. like this white car being sucked into a black ocean it's just <laughs> oh it's such a beautiful visual. And again, it's that whole thing of like, you know, the final confrontation. If you want to look at it in the, you know, the Hollywood structure thing, it's like, it's the final battle and it's yeah. the final battle is being staged between Kay and Love. And that, the final moments, which would normally be the epic, like, turn, turn, yeah. scored. It's just this quietly done moment where he, they beat the shit out of each other. Then they get into the thing. She goes back to get Deckard and make sure that he's, he's retrieved. And Kay shows up beats her a few more times and then just chokes her to death slowly. Drowns her. Well, yeah, he starts choking yeah. and then he pulls her to the water and it's quiet. Like, the score's playing but it's not like, dun, dun, dun. No, like no. it's just quiet. It's tragic in a way. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, it doesn't end with like, then the villains have been defeated because it's like, no, Wallace is probably going to eventually yeah. send someone else out there to try and find There's no winners here. what's going on yeah. but Wallace is probably going to presume Decker dead like, because everyone's taken down. Maybe yeah. he won't, maybe he will. Whatever he's like, yeah, well, we've lost our lead. So I'm going to try and find another way. But ultimately, the day is saved. Kind of. And it's gorgeous. It's just... Fuck. Um, for people who want callbacks to the original, uh, what's his name? The fella from the first one, the uh, Army dude. Gaff. Who's Gaff. played by Edward James almost. Yeah. yeah, reprises the role. Probably got a, a bit of time to uh, grow his facial hair in a funky oh, way again. Uh, so Gaff makes a cameo. So cool. Um, still looking sharp, still making uh, origami animals. In in a sort of little origami sheep. In a sort of like I guess like wealthy person's retirement. Yeah, home. it looks like some kind. Because it looks yeah. cozy and, and yeah. nice inside, and and these amongst other sort of elderly folk who are there and stuff, and they look content. There's yeah, no it looks like, like a like, decent retirement home. Amidst all this stuff, like oh, this horrible world, it's like well, he's yeah. obviously wealthy enough to afford this and yeah. and live out his twilight years in a nice setting comparable comfort especially compared to some of the stuff we see yeah which is nice because again like it's, it's sort of oh is he going to tie into it no one scene yeah I think he asks him do you know what happened to you know I think he decoded he's like, like nope not really <laughs> no idea he <laughs> just kind of fucked off good luck finding him he was a bit of an arsehole bye yeah. I, didn't like, <laughs> like, I didn't like him he didn't like me and we worked together to make sure we didn't have to work together yeah <laughs> like, it's like okay cool fair play um, Sean Young we will probably know more when the Blu-ray comes out, but like Sean Young reprises her role either vocally or through a bit of mocap yeah. or whatever. Of, there was of a different Rachel. actress on set. For yeah, the reference. Oh yeah, I think that, I think I think what they've done is they'll have had an actress there, and yeah. then they would have shot her separately. So there's archive um, footage and there's a CGI'd yeah. uh, Rachel. Yeah, well. you know, you know, be- better than Salvation, put it that way. Um, yeah, it's still <laughs> Uncanny Valley as fuck. Yeah, but, but it's like, I it's think, on, but I think I think maybe it's only that because we know that's not what she looks like. Yeah. It's now. on it's on the Star Wars Rogue One level. Yeah, like it like... works. If you don't think about it, it works better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um but then again they point out in the scene that like yeah she's not quite right anyway, so it's like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> we were all feeling that. <laughs> Some fair dues. Yes. Um it's great. This is a great piece of cinema and um criminal I mean it's criminal what's happened to it. Because it underperformed, didn't it? The US I think. Box it, I think the first the first day was bad, but I think word of mouth is picking up. Yeah, I, I mean, put it this I way: think, it, people go like, "Oh my god, it's 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 sunk." It's like, yeah, but the, the original Blade, the original Blade Runner, Runner office, so. it, when it hit when it hit television and home video was when people finally started to fall in love with it properly yeah. and appreciate it for what it was. Because it's the kind of film that you need to sort of, like I say, you need to marinate in it. It's this one has made me 
again want to revisit the first one because yeah. I think I will dig it more the more I watch it. But I think that's also partly because my Blade Runner affection was shaped by the video game, not not the film. Yeah. So that might be why. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Red Dwarf Back to Earth made a lot more sense after I watched Blade Runner, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, you know, we should probably start reviewing that soon because the first episode's of on UK course. TV Play. So there's a tenuous link to comedy, everybody. Yay! Uh, speaking of comedy, comedy is followed very swiftly by tragedy. And in oh, the modern era... Oh, Rick and Morty season three is over. What a tragedy. No. In the modern era... No. Comedy's followed more by douchebaggery. Uh, so, let's talk about the good first. Rick and Morty, the final episode of season three, which was the Rick Turian Morty date, came out. Yeah. I think from that title, we were like, this is going to tie into the Citadel of Rick stuff. Not at nope. all. Has nothing to do with any overarching I plots. I love being trolled by Justin Rowland and Diane Harmon. Yeah, well, this was great. This was a yeah. really fun episode. It's the finale of series three, and like Rick and Morty really should be, I suppose, yeah. it's not a finale. It's just an episode. The, the most finale-ish thing about it is it resolves the Beth and Jerry thing. Yeah. That's it. And that's great. Um, It's very. It's a series one episode, again. To the point where they actually comment, the characters actually comment in that. Yeah. On that in the episode. Like, they've just gone, they just don't give a fuck about the fourth wall in this season. Yeah. They are poking their dicks through it, left, right, and center. Yeah, I mean, Christ, they, they, Rick explains what he's doing and the level of, like, God, Neil, uh, uh, God, Grant Morrison, Batman style control yeah. by yeah. saying, I'm Doctor Whoing this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, in a scene set in the Oval Office, it's basically them taking a stab at series six and seven of Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> like, which I thought was brilliant. I was like, oh my god, Justin Roiland hates that part of Doctor Who as well. Because well, then... it's, it's this overt contingency. They make a freaking Tesseract reference yeah. without saying it like, specifically. It's like, oh my god. But also them going, <laughs> yeah, fuck this being pest control for the president, let's just go play Minecraft. Yeah. And the fuck, which you get a sense is probably just one of the writers is like, yeah, I really enjoy playing Minecraft. Fuck yeah. it, we're just gonna, Rick and Morty are going to play about Minecraft. <laughs> and then Rick's going to get bored of it once they start, because... You can go to a dimension where you're basically yeah, Minecraft. You can go to the Minecraft dimension, um, <laughs> which is such an like it was such a, it was such an overt reference that it felt uncomfortable for a sec until you realised oh it is just a gag don't a bit, worry a like, like the, we're moving on from a bit this like now. the Nintendo 3DS stuff in the it, season it, it, in season two, two with the, um, we were flipping for like I three times the price Nintendo sent me free stuff. I think it, it was, is that in the Parasite episode? Yes, it's a flashback. <laughs> he yeah. keeps talking about Nintendo 3DS. Oh my god. Um, oh Christ. Um, yeah, no, it's... <laughs> yeah. So oh Rick, and, Rick and the President have a dick measuring contest. Yeah, which one. is full of freaking Easter um, eggs and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, some of them, like, one of them in particular is like, that's a bit much. <laughs> did, did you spot that? Well, when they're in the, uh, when they're in like the sub, sub, sub basement. And there was a bunch of TV sets mm. and models. And the most obvious one is the moon landing. And you're like, that's great, because this is the show referring again to like yeah. the moon land, the moon and everything, and basically saying, okay, that's cool. Um, in the far background, you had like the first, the guys arriving on the boat, like, do you know what I mean? And all that stuff. Among, uh, JFK's car is there yeah. with a blood splatter on the back seat. Yeah. And it's like, they're implying that, that assassination was staged. One gag was like, oh, that's uncomfortable. One of them was a scale model of the t- the Twin Towers. Yeah. And it's like, oh, guys, really? But this is Rick and Morty. It can get very dark. Yeah. And 
whatever, fuck it. Yes, um, do you know what I mean? It's like, they're not disrespecting the people who died. They're making a reference to government conspiracies and conspiracy theories. But it was like, oh, really? And then they recovered it by having, like, a freaking, um, what's it? Children with trigger phrases. <laughs> like, little assassin children with trigger phrases. <laughs> and stuff like that. We're like, this is horrible. What's going on? I love the fact that all the multiple ricks cartwheeled out of the way of the laser fire. They're all just cartwheeling in this really weird uniformed way. <laughs> What's going on? Um, I love how, I love how <laughs> the plot, like, basically, they say, like, we're, yeah, we're going to DOS. And the president's like, right, okay, well, if you're going to be like that, then we'll deal with all this intergalactic shit. And you can see Rick's getting a bit jealous about it. So it's then, like, they, it's then like he basically a goes, oh look, it yeah. up and getting bitter. oh look, I can fix these things without you even calling us in. There we go, it's done. And then it just becomes a fight between the two of them that spills out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It does what Rick and Morty can do best. It shows that like the tiniest thing can unfortunately grow into the biggest mess simply because Rick is too proud. Yeah. So Morty wanted a selfie with the president. The president wouldn't give him one. So now Rick's like, I'm not leaving until you get you have a selfie with my ne- with nephew. What we're talking about my grandkid and. Morty's like, okay, no, you're killing people. Please stop now. And it, this show could be dark, and that's what makes it wonderful. It can have little heartfelt moments, but it's basically about a nasty piece of work. Oh yeah, who is dead inside, and there's occasional moments where he feels human again. But we're not allowed the luxury of seeing more into that because that's not the point of the show. <laughs> uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole post credits. Slight spoiler, but he basically. Says says what he said last year, like, oh. hey, here's how I'm getting on. We'll see you again in a few years or, like, maybe sooner. Who knows? I'll have an old man beard. Like, a big old man beard. Oh. Bye! And it's like, you know what, guys? Take your time. Take your time. They said they're doing season four now. Yeah, it's been greenlit. It's been greenlit. I think they announced after the American premiere of this episode, they went, P.S. Series four is definitely happening. In case you're wondering, Mr. Poopy Butthole wasn't jerking you around. Like, it's been greenlit. But, I, yeah, I, I want it. I want him to take the time. Uh, 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 I want it. Like the merchandise, the merchandise, and the sensible adult, grown-up human beings with brains will keep the fan base and the, and, the, and the excitement alive for a new series in a calm, measured way over the next couple of years. What happened, Chris? Right. So, episode one of the series debuted April Fool's Day, and uh, you found out that Rick. At least in that episode, his entire motivation for everything in his life is because he wants to find a way to get hold of the limited edition Mulan movie tie-in 1998 McDonald's Szechuan dipping sauce. In 1998, McDonald's had teriyaki Szechuan dipping sauce with its McNuggets to tie into Mulan. Rick loves it. It's his favourite Szechuan sauce. He's never found a dimension where they... They make it. He's never invented time travel, so he can go back and get it. <laughs> and he implies at the end of the episode in a psychotic rant that it's meant nothing more than a joke, that that is his entire purpose in life and the purpose of the season going forward. Of course, because Rick is literally a being of pure hatred and, and cruel jokes for the sake of a cruel joke and a laugh, it's never brought up again. Because it is a joke for that one episode of Rick and Morty. McDonald sent Justin Roiland, co-creator of the show, um... A big tub of Szechuan sauce about a month ago, and said, "Let everybody know that there's something coming." So he did, um, because the whole joke was based on the fact Justin Roiland brought it up in a conversation at some point, saying, "Oh my god, it was the tastiest <laughs> thing ever." So like Dan Harmon wrote it into the season opener. So Justin Roiland was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! They've made me some Szechuan sauce with a retro label on it. This is great." <laughs> McDonald's then announced a few weeks ago that on the seventh of October, the year of our Lord, twenty seventeen, yeah. yes, participating. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I don't need a cab. I'd call them Uber. Not a line from Toast, but I made you think it was, didn't I? You did. You buried it. <laughs> you Matt buried it. Buried and it. You buried it deep, like McDonald's did, because McDonald's went on 7th of October, a week after the season finale premieres in the States. At participating stores, we are going to be giving out some Szechuan sauce. And they showed the label to their little tubs. And it's a it's not Rick and Morty directly tied in, but obviously it's a Rick and Morty sort of... Yeah. Um, I think Rick and Morty's like adult for Mad World to be doing cross promotions with. Yeah, well, but the thing is they weren't advertising it in <laughs> yeah, stores. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was only online. And it was like, if you go to the stores, participating stores on this day, you can get some... We're going to release some Szechuan sauce on that day. And the label is Rick and Morty-esque. It sort of looks like a species you'd see in Rick and Morty yeah, on a planet. Yeah, yeah. And it's a cute little label. Right, so... What happened was only about maybe a fourth of McDonald's stores in the States were participating, which angered people. You know, people who were there to get some free dipping sauce. Mm. Um, so McDonald's fluffed up because they should, have, they should have made very clear exactly which stores were participating and how much they had. They only made enough, apparently all, all that was dealt out to the participating stores was 20 sachets each. Oof. So that's a tiny amount. Yeah, yeah. So now you could have you could have damage controlled that beforehand by saying, find out your participating stores, ask nicely. If they're participating, they'll give you a sachet, but you've got to be quick because there's only a tiny amount at each store. Now, I think what McDonald's were assuming was going to happen, even though they hadn't said that, which they should have done, was yeah. that... At each of these, at every McDonald's store in the country, a few groups of people over the course of the day were going to come in and go, hi, do you have any of the Szechuan sauce? And they'd be like, well done, guys, you got it first. <laughs> and handed it out. Thing is, Rick and Morty has an evolving fan base. I think if you'd have done this during, like, season two, yeah. it would have been fine. Uh, I discovered Rick and Morty, thanks to yourself, like, about four months before season two premiered. <laughs> um, like, we watched series one, and I dug it. So then when series two came out, watched it go out, loved it. We're now in a place where Rick and Morty in the, in the gap between season two and three has grown in popularity so much that it has a fan base. <sighs> Finish it! Oh, God. <laughs> Last week we discussed how geek culture is, is possibly on its way out and the reasons why people might believe that. One of them was that fandoms, certain fandoms especially, have developed a level of very visible, very loud toxicity where people are nasty as shit to other people, almost as though to, to be territorial. Oh, what? You've never seen freaking any classic Doctor Who? Well, you're not a proper fan. I'm a proper fan. Fuck off. If they like the new stuff, they're a fan. Just because they've not seen all the stuff you've seen doesn't make them any less of a fan. Rick and Morty's got a similar thing to the Sherlock fandom. There is a large portion of the Sherlock fandom who look at people who criticise Sherlock or who don't enjoy it as much and go, well, you're not clever enough to understand it. Those people are twats because that's not the point. Never decry someone for enjoying something in any way. Never decry someone for not enjoying it. They want to enjoy it. That's why they're watching it. That's why they're participating. If they have a problem with it and if their concerns are legitimate from an analytical point of view, that's fine. It doesn't mean you don't have to enjoy it if you do. Rick and Morty's developed a similar fan base. There is a large portion of its fan base. I'm not generalising here. They seem to be the younger portion of its fan base. Kelsa Priest. Yeah. Some of them too young to really be watching it. Like it's not aimed at their age group. Kel Horror. 
who are slagging off people who are enjoying it, who are attacking other people for not enjoying it as much as they do. Oh, I mean, you know the, you know the, you know the. Sorry, I left my enjoyometer <laughs> at home. <laughs> You know the wanky app, Musical.ly, that all these teens have been using? Oh, it's basically a miming app. We we had a version of it a couple of years ago called a Dub Smash. Oh, like you, you, yeah. You could, you could mime to like voice clips. And it was basically a fun way on Vine to make little weird little videos to share with your friends. There's and now then, one called uh, Musical.ly, which, is, which uses music and tracks. Then, and then and now he's using clips. Yeah, Lip Sync Battle became a thing and then everyone... Culture is dead and yeah. we should all kill ourselves. Yeah. But, um, so... <laughs> Musically is mostly populated by teenagers. One of the most disgusting things I've ever seen online was a musically clip. What happened? About a year ago, there's someone I can't remember what the song is, but the song is about like holding on and, and hold on, like stay with me or something. I think it might be like stay with me, Sam Smith or something. Some a teenager is miming to it on their musically app next to their grandmother who is genuinely dying in a hospital bed next to them. It's not staged. This teenager's doing this and is doing like, you know, the pop star poses and stuff. And it's like 10 seconds long. It's like, you are a piece of shit. I know you're like 14 and eventually you might grow up and look back on this and go, what the hell am I doing? But you're a piece of shit. Fuck off. Right now in this moment. In this moment, you're a piece of shit. Hopefully you'll grow as a person and realise that that is not the way to do it. And hopefully you'll fucking delete that thing and reconcile with your dying grandparent before they leave this world but right now you are a piece of scum I don't think I have to worry about deleting it because let's be honest these but, things don't exactly last but we got to the point where like, I don't have musically but I saw that clip because people were passing it around going this is the state of the next generation yeah and it was like oh my god so musically there is a whole fan base on musically who cosplay as Rick and Morty and mime to stuff that isn't even Rick and Morty like because they're like, oh, we're Rick and Morty fans, and this is so random, lol. These appear to be the groups that got to the point where this McDonald's stunt went horribly wrong in a way that is going to temporarily scar McDonald's, but is going to permanently scar Rick and Morty. Tell me what happened. I know people who want to watch Rick and Morty who have been put off now because of this. Tell me what happened. People rocked up. There was no Szechuan sauce at that store. They started harassing the staff. Good. And kicking off. Good, good. People showed up to participate in stores. They missed out on the sauce. They started harassing the staff. People showed up, found out that, yes, McDonald's had criminally undersold it by giving only 20 packets and had a go at the staff members of that store as though it was their fault. In a couple of occasions, police were called. Police were called to disperse fans. Now, some stores managed to handle it well and anticipated this. I don't know if all participating McDonald's stores did this, but some of them had a hundred postcards, exclusive artwork to do with that day. Mm-hmm. So if you showed up and you'd missed out on the sauce, don't worry. Here's a po- like, hey, you missed out on the sauce, but thanks for coming. Here's this. You only get this today. That's quite cool. That That's means that cool. that means that at least a hundred and twenty people at that store got something. That's great. Good on you. Makes it more of a treasure hunt. Nah, it does. And I imagine that there were McDonald's stores around the U.S. that that it was handled really well do you know what I mean like people showed up and they're like have you got Szechuan I'm so sorry it ran out but like you know thanks for asking oh don't worry about it oh guys we missed out never mind but you don't hear about those we don't hear about those because unfortunately once again the vile horrible toxic loud minority are the ones who ruined it for everybody awesome Justin Roiland made a statement basically saying I'm annoyed at McDonald's for obviously underestimating this like I didn't know they'd only provided 20 packets per store that's mental do you know what I mean It should have been, I mean, at least 50, even 50 would have quelled it enough. Do you know what I mean? Because then it becomes like a, 
first come first serve thing. Twenty, fifty, a hundred. Yeah, the creeping kid. Um, <laughs> but my movie, the, the Szechuan cream... sauce. Yeah. Um, so so like. And here's the thing. If they really wanted Szechuan sauce, do you know what you did? Go to Walmart. There's Szechuan sauce. Go and get some Szechuan just, just sauce. Buy just Szechuan buy some sauce. Szechuan sauce. But people obviously wanted to be like, oh my God, lol, so random. I got it from McDonald's. And these were the people that made a fuss out of it and made it horrible and disgusting. Justin Roiland's also, I believe, I've not, I don't, I've not seen a tweet about it, but apparently he's mentioned like somewhere that he was very disappointed in the fan base that did the kicking. I mean, Dan off. Hammond's already talked about Dan, how, yeah. he, how he wishes he could distance himself from mm-hmm. a large portion of the fan base and he just utter cunts. Yeah. And it's weird because again, rewind to series two, and I'm not saying like, oh, well, back when we were fans, like I'm saying like rewind I'm series two. No, but like rewind series two, <laughs> the fan base Rick and Morty was like, oh my god, have you seen this show? It's really cool. Yeah. It's very, it, it's very clever, but it's also really dumb, and it's got some cool sci-fi ideas, and it's very dark, and yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Here, watch this. Do you yeah, know what I mean? a lot of people being terribly obnoxious about it. Yeah, it's a problem. This seems to happen in every fandom, and with Rick and Morty, it's happened so early in its life. It's really upsetting, and it will damage it. Um, friend, friend of the show, um, Kadikarus, said yes. the other day, I've always wanted to watch it. Now I've seen this, I don't want to go near it. No. And I've said to him, like, I urge you to check it out in your own time. Don't even post you've watched it. Just, you enjoy it. Yeah. Because you will, you'll definitely dig it. You don't have anything to prove to anyone. Yeah, just, right. you watch it. Don't even mention it because you're gonna get you're gonna get people who are genuinely like like myself with this sort of going oh cool I'm glad you enjoyed it or hey have you watched it yet but then you'll get the people who are like wah, 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 dum, dum, and you're like shut the fuck up <laughs> shut the fuck up oh my god one article I can't remember where it was but one article summed it up beautifully they said the people who were dickheads on this day mm. the fans that overreact in general mm. uh, either at this event or elsewhere comic cons who are obnoxious to people those fans who are aggressive and toxic. And sort of do that thing of, I love it the most, look at me! Yeah. I'm Mr. I love it, look at me! Those fans are missing the point of the show entirely. Rick is not a nice person. Nope. If you're acting like Rick, you're not a nice person. If you're walking into a McDonald's asking for your Szechuan sauce, Morty, Szechuan sauce... And the McDonald's people are going, really sorry, like we didn't participate, and then you're yelling at them for it. You are not a nice person. Here's a tip. If you go into a retail or service establishment, <laughs> restaurant, coffee shop, anything like that, <laughs> and you go to the counter and you ask for something, and for reasons beyond their control, the assistant, supervisor, whoever's behind that counter dealing with you, that human being, mm. probably in a uniform shirt, possibly wearing an apron and a name tag, in some unfortunate cases, Maybe even wearing a hat. If that person cannot fulfill your needs through no fault of their own, don't fucking yell at them. Don't be a dick. Don't don't castigate someone for something that they have no control over. Don't go in there and be a shit heel to someone who's on minimum wage just trying to get fucking by working a job they probably don't want to do because some fucking idiot in a boardroom is miscalculated and they don't have what you want don't you dare go into someone's place of work and harass them because you can't get what you think you're entitled to because you are a self-centered stuck-up little cunt don't you dare of course if you listen to this that probably doesn't apply to you so don't worry about it Incidentally, you can buy the Szechuan sauce packets for $750 and upwards on eBay. Yeah. Um, 
For those Rick and Morty fans in the US who want to partake in this weird little experiment from McDonald's and aren't twats, McDonald's have apologised for the limited run and have said that there is a future day where they are going to once again put it out in a higher supply at more stores. Uh, they have also asked that people be respectful when they participate in the event next time. I think some stores have outright said, if you show up in costume, for example, we are not assuming you're like over the top or anything, but we're, we're going to politely decline you entry because... We don't want to turn this into a thing. It's a fun promotion. Yeah. We don't want it to... Like, maybe, you know, you might show up in costume because you're just enthusiastic and you want to take photos of the sessions or whatever. That's cool. But we need to, unfortunately, take precautions this time because of the behaviour of some people at certain stores last time. This is why we can't have nice things. Because <clears throat> yeah. some people are cunts. But you know who aren't? You lot. You've been getting in touch with the show with the lovely little cheeky little emails... Uh, and also over on Twitter, I put out just before we started recording, if you've seen the trailers that we're going to talk Ooh, about on Blade Runner. Have you got a tweet? We've got a few tweets, son! So tweet me before I hit the email. So Connor Zomspawn, which I think is I think is probably his Halloween name because it's a zombie twist. Conman1997 on Twitter. Ah, spoopy. Says Blade Runner 2049 was great. Yes, it was. Until Rick Deckard showed up and then it went rapidly downhill and didn't recover. Uh, fair enough. Like, it's probably that they... <laughs> do you know what? I could, I could get that because it's like, I think they were enjoying the movie they were watching. And then it, it sort of becomes, oh, and this is now tied to the original. And maybe that made them, like, not enjoy it. So fair yeah. enough. Like, I'm, it's, you know, it's a shame you didn't enjoy it. Uh, although a Twitter account called Rick Deckard liked that tweet immediately Brilliant. afterwards. Brilliant. So uh, you've got a Blade Runner on your case. I think Connor might be a, a replicant. Rick, Rick agrees with you. <laughs> Dan Opie says, haven't seen Blade Runner 2049 yet. And I'm avoiding the Last Jedi trailer like Anakin avoiding sand. As the it director, gets everywhere. As the director, Ryan Johnson said, it gives too much away. And so, it's irritating. It's <laughs> coarse. That's rough. definitely a Star Wars trailer. Justice League looks good, though. I'm starting to see Joss Whedon's influence, which is usually good. Yep, yeah, uh, definitely in front of the camera. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so yeah. God, um, why why can't anyone in Hollywood keep it in their fucking pants, man? But at least Dan Opie's looking forward to Justice League a bit more now with that new trailer. Yes, we're glad about this. Spooktacular TNP, our old pal, Nublati, says, Loved the film. The holograms look incredible. But Harrison looks so confused the entire film. Well, he wasn't in the entire film, so I think you were watching Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He's also... He's probably <laughs> stoned. <laughs> to be fair. This is Harrison Ford. You're a teacher? Part-time. He's <laughs> probably stoned. But yeah, so that's the mostly positive reaction to the movie. Um, so I'm glad other people enjoyed it too. That's fun. Movie, what have we got baby. In e- what have we got in emails, you warm, I warm, need, dripping I curtain? Need a, I need a voice. For Ian. Um, uh, Harrison Ford's forced narration from the Blade Runner uh, cinematic release. <laughs> this actually fits this email quite well. <laughs> to be fair, you have to have a very high IQ to understand geek culture. The humor is extremely subtle. Without a solid grasp of theoretical physics, most of the jokes will go over a typical viewer's head. Oh, God. There's also its nihilistic outlook, which is definitely woven into its characterization. Its personal philosophy draws heavily from Narnia Volia literature, for instance. Fans understand this stuff. They have the intellectual capacity to truly appreciate the depths of these jokes. To realize they're not just funny. They say something deep about life. As a consequence, people who dislike geek culture truly are idiots. Of course, they wouldn't appreciate, for instance, the 
humor and geek culture, existential name geek culture, which itself is a cryptic reference to Turgenev's Russian epic, Fathers and Sons. <laughs> okay, I'm feeling the sarcasm dripping off of this now. I'm smirking <laughs> right now. Just imagining one of those adult-pated simpletons scratching their heads in confusion as genius unfolds itself on their television screens. What fools. Oh, I pity him. Yes, by the way, I do have a geek culture tattoo. <laughs> no, you cannot see it. It's for the ladies' eyes only. And even they have to demonstrate that they're within five IQ points of my own. Preferably lower. Beforehand. Jesus Christ. Ian. Oh, God. I'm so glad that wasn't serious, because for a split second I was having a heart attack. Um, <laughs> I need a voice for Dan. Hmm. Um. Culturally insensitive? Is that okay? No. Good, because I was going to say the guy who makes the, uh, it's not the okay. eyes. It's not place. okay. <laughs> this is not okay, Chris. This is 2017. We don't do yellow voice. Jared Leto. Flitting between Wallace in Blade Runner 2049 oh, and the Suicide Squad Joker. You can choose when to switch. <laughs> What's ooh meets? Was that the email? That's the question. What's ooh meets? Yeah. It's just a thing I say. It's not the question, it's a yeah. question. It's just a thing I say. I say who meets and who mints. Um, to, go, to, to dissect its origins would be pointless and probably take half an hour, but it's just stupid. And are there any Doctor Who scenes you find embarrassing, cringeworthy? For me, it's during the waters of Mars when tenants running around shouting stuff like, I'm gonna win. Dan Rawlings, 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 Dan I don't think... I can't think of anything in the new series that makes me go, oh, like cringe. The entirety of the monsters. I'm not even gonna... Well, no, 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 to tell a lie, I do, I do enjoy Love of Monsters, but the paving slab moment and joke does make me go, oh, really? Um, See, that's I, just... I, the... I think, I think the emotion, the negative emotion I get with Doctor Who, modern Doctor Who's like stuff in series six, seven, eight. See, that, and especially nine makes me go, oh, for fuck, rather than cringe. But, yeah. the majority of Sylvester McCoy's first season. Costume choices, performance choices, certain Every, things all in that first series. Yeah. All choices. Like that, 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 there is stuff in that, that makes me go, oh, really? Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, yeah, th then you get those hints of, actually, no, that's kind of cool. Like, oh, that's really sinister. Like, those those old ladies are basically cannibals. They're going to eat you, Mel. Oh, like, Paradise Towers is great. No, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Uh, Richard Bryce in zombie mode. Sorry. <laughs> Richard Bryce in zombie mode. Let me, uh, let me, let me retort. <laughs> Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass this week, Sonny Jim. And, and there's certain bits in the in the, the 80s stuff where I go, oh, that's a bit shit. Oh, why did you? Why are you doing that? Just the whole of Love and Monsters, though. 
No, they're worse. I'm that sorry. paving slab moment is just the fetid cherry on a mouldy cake. That gorgeous moment where like Jackie confronts Elton after she's seen the photo in his jacket, and she basically says like, "No, you didn't think, did you? Because nobody ever thinks about the ones we're left behind." That bit of dialogue is gorgeous and performed so well by Camille Kajori. It is. It is. It bloody well is. Yeah, but Mark Warren though. Mark Warren's adorable. His character isn't always necessarily good. But he plays a wonderful simpleton who's genuinely a good person really well in that story. Cringeworthy simpleton. <laughs> Next week's guest is Mark Warren. Uh, we'll I be just, getting him on to... <laughs> I just... I... His weirdest performance to me is, is, is his uh, Tiatomy in Godfather. Oh, uh, it's terrible! Because he's... I don't know, there's a couple of moments where he's good, but you think, hmm, this is... Someone should have said, maybe try this. He's, ad- he's admitted that he watched uh, Johnny Depp in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and just did that. Oh, oh! in which case then it's yeah. indefensible. Oh, yeah. that's a shame. Which is a shame because some shame. of Hogfather is really good. Yeah. That, not so not much. So much. Um, <laughs> the best Discworld adaptations are the video games and uh, the, two, the two animated movies from Channel 4 in the 90s. Yes. Well, uh, miniseries. Yes. Weird Sisters and Soul Music. Yes. They're really good. We need, uh, more, we need more Discworld. Yeah, Christopher Lee voices death in them, and it's really, really good. Ian Richardson in Hogfather, isn't it? In Hogfather and um, Going Postal. But by the well, time I've forgotten they, about Going Postal. Yeah, but by the time they did Colour of Magic, uh, he passed away, and Christopher Lee reprised the role from doing it in the animated ones. Yeah, that's good. We should do a Discworld episode. So I need to read more, really, for us I've to justify most it. Most of them. I, I've read Colour of Magic, and I've read. Uh, all of the Nat McFeagle, Amazing Marie's teenage. See, I've not ones. read any any of the teenage young adult yeah. ones, but I've read the majority of the main series. Amazing Maurice and his educated ones is great, and and is weird because apparently there is a reference to him in one of the Discworld books, like ten years before he even wrote Amazing Maurice. There's a reference oh, yeah. to like a cat. And, Patrick and does that shit all the time, yeah. so he's obviously had that idea and gone, oh, "I'll get back to that at some point." And it's like, oh shit, uh, like someone's doing something this out of the other. And there's a cat with these mice nearby, or whatever, and the cat like responds to the character, and they go, "Oh, all right, thanks." And then they Dude. like gives them directions or something. And it's like, okay. And then obviously later on, you're like, "Oh shit, that was Maurice." Okay. That sounds fabulous. Oh man, it's great. Um, do you know, weirdly, because I haven't read them all, we used to have a Discworld calendar every year. Those beautiful painted ones, fucking gorgeous. Did you ever see them? These, Wait, these... Original Paul Kidby art, or um, not the not the original books. It's, just, it's the stuff that came around in the two thousands. Where like the, light, oh, the later yeah, yeah. books, the later books had used like kind of the, the same style as they did for the last hero. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've got that. I've got the last hero somewhere actually. Mm. It went missing when I moved to London. Like it's, it, I've not found it since getting all my stuff oh, back. It's very so, good. The last. So hero. my mum and my stepdad must have it somewhere. But yeah, that the front I've cover. Got... The front cover. That's fucking hilarious. That, he's just in bearing and he's like gurning. He's got the weapons. It's just this old frail pudgy guy You're knocking around somewhere. <laughs> I've got the. Um... I've got the graphic novel adaptations of Mort and oh, Guards, oh, Guards. Oh, I'd love to read. Those are sequels to each other, aren't they? Like those ones. No, no, no. They're no. completely unrelated. Completely. What am I thinking? There's a couple that are like direct sequels, aren't they? Yeah, there's this, this, this sub series within Discworld. Yeah, because like Rincewind pops up in a few yeah, different there's, ones. There's, there's, a Rincewind, there's a series of Rincewind books. And a couple of the death books. Mort so the, the more death centric the... ones are tied into yeah, each other. Yeah, Mort is the first of the death series of books, yeah. which is like Mort. Um, soul music, Hogfather, Soul music introduces. God, what's his, what's his daughter? Is it Cassandra? Susan? Susan. Susan Mort is Susan's father. Susan, right? Okay. Why don't I think Cassandra? No. Who's Cassandra? Um, and then Gaz, oh no, Gaz. Cassandra is a character in 
I think it's Ubos who looks like how Susan looks in the Channel 4 animated thing, and I'm confusing them in oh, my head. Um, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> hey, the 90s! Guards, do, guards do you remember the 90s? Is the first of the Night's Watch. <laughs> That's books, what I'm thinking, yeah, I knew that was a series. Is, like, guards, Guards, Men at Arms, Feet of Clay, Jingo. It's, 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 I think it's the most, probably the most popular. Yeah. It's the most... In, in, in Discworld, it, like, yeah, Discworld yeah. itself. I think there's yeah. more... Because I was going to say there was a good, there was a good like three or four Mac Mac Fiegel, We Free Men teen spin-offs. I think, I think, and then there's pre Discworld, nice there's, 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 there's not pre Discworld, but like separate from Discworld. But before he did Discworld novels aimed at teens, there's the the the, the Diggers trilogy. Diggers, Wings, Truckers, Truckers, um, Johnny and the Bomb, Johnny and the Dead, Johnny and the Dead. Yeah, I read Johnny and the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh snap. Pratchett was amazing. We should we should do a Pratchett themed ep at some point. Yeah, I might have to bone up a bit more. I might. You you bring your books. I'll I'll rewatch all the oh, animated. I'll I'll rewatch all the animated I'm stuff and I'll Kindle, I'll brush yeah. up on the adaptations. I'll I'll see what I can. That'll be fun. I've got going postal um, here somewhere as well. It looks like a parcel. The DVD cover. Fantastic. Cool. Um, Sorry, t- anyway, tangents, everybody. Two more emails. Yeah. That, oh God, we passed two hour mark. Jesus. Back on form. Right. Let's get these. <laughs> um. Dear Chris and Matt. Oh my God. Is that the shiver down my spine I feel when Tom Monty rises from his weekly grave? I sincerely apologise for my failure to complete your homework assignment from last week that consisted of watching Blade Runner. I understand that film will be of significance in this podcast. You probably figured that out by now. I was just too busy this week and sort of forgot you had asked when you I probably started writing this then. email. Instead, I've used this week's procrastination time to watch Torchwood Children of Earth again, and blimey, mm. it's good. It is. It's the finest bit of BBC One sci-fi produced in the last decade or so. I assume you two have watched it. Oh, God, yeah. What do you think of it? What, what he said. Yeah. Did you watch on broadcast? Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. On broadcast, it was incredible. Yeah, it was very good. Like, tuning in every night for those five nights in a row to catch the next part was amazing. Torchwood Children of Earth is, like, for all of Torchwood's faults, even though I, I do enjoy all of it, apart from Chunks of Miracle Day, for all of Torchwood's faults, Children of Earth is a phenomenal piece of work. As, as a drama and as a sci-fi, it's just great. What's your favourite aspect of it? Um, hmm, seeing how the country politically and within government would have to deal with uh, the alien ransom sort of situation mm. and the weight that it puts on certain people like uh, Jack and his his uh, his daughter and his grandchild and specifically like um, I think he Frobisher's role in it um, John, John Frobisher, Peter Capaldi's role um, like that is harrowing to watch mm. like the fact that he's basically being the responsibilities being thrust on this guy almost as a scapegoat like that's some re- the way they do that is amazing it's like it's almost like the prime minister's vetoing any responsibility but you you deal with it and the weight it has on him and obviously the unfortunate horrific results of that upon him and his family is great and is still to this day um, the finest Doctor Who related work Capaldi's been involved in how did you feel about that main character's death? I think we can talk about the spoilers of Children of Earth, considering it's eight years yeah, old. Yeah, that, uh, that was just phrased. Yanto's death is is um, 
Well, it sucks for Yanto. It sucks for Yanto, yeah. and the moment's played beautifully by Barrowman and, and, and Gareth um, David Lloyd. Is that the name, Gareth David Lloyd? I think so. Um, it's played beautifully by them, and I do think it's a sweet, a sweet kind of After Effects slash fan joke that there is a shrine to him in Cardiff, which has recently had a new sign put in. So obviously Cardiff Council are like, yeah, well, we're going to oh. look after this. Uh, I, I hate the people who really overdo it. And go like, oh my God, OMG, Yanto! It's like, calm the fuck down. It happened eight years ago and it was effective in the moment. But stop like going, oh my God, I can't believe Yanto died. Now eight years on, calm down. But yeah. I watched Yanto's mission. I, I, I can believe Yanto died. And also there's a tradition by this point. Like, Series 2 killed off Tosh and Owen. Yeah. Like, killed off Owen twice. So, yeah. like, I was expecting someone to die in this. Yeah. Yeah. They, those, those Torchwood teams, they don't, they don't last. They don't last. Um, <laughs> Peter Picaldi. Peter Picaldi. In this. Peter Caprison. Yeah, he's 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 he's, he's people Pete. Um, <laughs> Pete Pete Sweetmeat. I felt <laughs> more attached to his character in this than I do the Twelfth Doctor. Hmm. It sort of makes me sad that Russell T Davies didn't get to write for the Twelfth Doctor. If this is the sort of work he could get out of Capaldi, hmm. oh. And that reminds me, <laughs> we never did get that explanation for why the Doctor had John Frobisher's face like Moffat said we would, unless he chooses to surprise us this Christmas. No, they won't bother. He had, Ky- he had Kykilius's face, that's it. It wasn't John Frobisher's face. Yes. All the best. <laughs> Tom. Monty. Tom. Monty. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Jungleverse, great. If you haven't seen it, um, watch it. Uh, it's pretty great. Finally, Mail. I recommend you watch it in f- over five nights as well. Don't binge it. Watch it yeah. over five nights. Um, Who's the final email from, good sir, good sir? Uh, it's, from, it's from Luke. And I've been instructed to read it in the voice of what I think he sounds like. Okay. I have no idea what is this, he sounds is this like. Gin- is this Ginger Luke? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I've met him. Yeah. Uh, I will not confirm or deny what his real voice sounds like. I will just go off your approximation. Well, that's what, I'm just going to uh, ignore that completely. Okay. And do a voice. Oh, so, ah, so not what you think he sounds like, but what you think he should sound like were he to pick a new voice. Hi, big damn cast! I haven't done much recently. <laughs> I've just been listening to the audiobook version of Matt Lucas's autobiography. <laughs> I've just been added to the callbacks list of my school's productions of high school musical, and I am looking forward to find out what role I will be given. <laughs> Do you guys have any interesting stories about working on amateur productions? I'm going to see Spamalot in Wolverhampton tomorrow. Have any of you seen any versions of Spamalot? What are the three movies you'd like to see turned into musicals and three that you'd hate to see? See you all next week! <laughs> Ta-ta! He waved as he said that. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of questions. Let's break it down. What was the um, first one? Have you been involved in any amateur productions? Well, first, congrats on, on High School Musical Hobby. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, we get a plum part. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, some... whatever part you get, just have fun. Interesting you know I mean? stories about working on amateur productions. Um, we did a fair few student productions, didn't we? Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, in fact, our, our college did High School Musical the year after we left. Yeah. And I was working with the guys who filmed it at that point, filmed the filmed taped the shows. 
So I saw Pendleton students put on High School Musical. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> like, there is nothing relatable, really, in this, in Britain. No. Aside, from the, ba- American, aside from the yeah. basic stereotypes. It's very American. It was really strange. But, um, um yeah, so I, ho- I hope you guys have fun doing it. I hope you have a blast with it, because it's very cheesy. Um, yeah, we've, we've had, I think we've both had a fair experience with, like, you know, yeah. sort of amateur productions and small-scale productions of stuff. I've had fun times, but nothing particularly exciting has happened on them. Like, it's not like... No big stories, really. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, th- I, think, I think my favourite... Well, this is, this is sad. My favourite story related to those things is, um, when we first joined college, you were in production of Les Mis. Yep. In the Eccleston Theatre. Yep. Named after you-know-who. Um... And I was in the theatre across the road in the Kingsley Theatre, named after you-know-who, uh, picture Dorian Gray. And Sir Ben King. I'm, I'm an actor. Uh, so... Uh, actor. So, you guys were on just, like, I think a week before us, you you put on Les Mis, Yeah. And then we went out the week after. And I saw Les Mis, and it was, I think it was, I'd seen you around, because, like, Matt was musical theatre, I was performing arts. So we, Matt, not to see me around! We, we, occu- we occupied... <laughs> We occupied the same, like, halls and classrooms and stuff, but, like, you know, we never really crossed paths, but, like, you couldn't miss him. He was this big, booming, very rock-voiced god of a man with lush mane of hair. lovely long hair back then as well. He had a mane of hair, which I think, I think, I mean, knowing you, you probably would have grown it anyway, but you definitely grew it and kept it long for Valjean because you had it in, like, the pony. Yeah, yeah. And and when, you know, you're, like, 246 and everything is all down, and it really suited the... Aesthetically, you fucking look the part. You look great with one you, hair. You were like, you fucking... you were in your early twenties playing someone who's meant to be like their late forties, and you like that look helped sell the idea of a man who had lived longer. Do you know what I mean? Um, no, but you know what I mean. Though? It's like like the hair and beard sells it as oh, daft yeah. as it sounds. Yeah. Um, so I'm a I sold the hair and beard as well. But I saw it. I fucking fell in love with you, and I thought you were amazing. Oh. So when you came to see Dory in the week after, I never let him touch me, and you caught me after. I think you waited behind. Yeah. Like with some of the other students to like talk to us and stuff, yeah. and you were like, "Mate, you were really good." And in my head, I was like, "Oh, thanks." Like, I was proper fanboying because Valjean was telling, and I'd seen you the week before. I was going, "You're fucking amazing," and he's never stopped. Fanboying. That's true, but but that's yeah, so that's my story about amateur productions. I I was fanboyed over Matt, and here I am now, still fanboying over him. Except now I can touch his penis. I know he can't. I can't touch his penis. I don't have any interesting stories about amateur productions, really. I just had a good time on them. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Time. I fucking put your all into it, and I fun- yeah. Because you, know, you look back at it and go, do you know what? That was great. Um, Spam a lot. Have you seen it? I've never seen it. I'm I a big Python it. fan. I've never seen it. I have seen it. Is it good? Is it I bad? didn't particularly care for it. Interesting. It's the Eric Idle show, isn't it? Basically. Yeah. And Eric Idle is a bit touch and go based on what his project is afterwards. Like, this is the song that goes like this is, is, a, is a decent gag. Yeah. The, the, the title number is pretty great. Is there a version of... Um, Camelot in it, yeah. like yeah, the the um, that's the round table. Yeah, one yeah. Okay, I, I would be a bit confused if that wasn't in there. Does it's this? I mean, this shows you how little I know about it. I'm like, I'm now going. Yeah. Oh my god, I don't know anything. Uh, like the Sir Robin verses mixed into it and yes. stuff. Okay, um, the Black Knights in it. Okay, they do that scene. Three headed uh, knight and stuff, and uh, yeah, the bridge and yeah. Tim the Enchanter <laughs> and the knights who say me. <clears throat> yeah, um, that's all in there. I just, I, I, I've. I've saw I've got the DVD version of Not the Messiah, which is basically a, an Albert Hall concert of Python music, mm-hmm. and and it's sort of like a, a a version of Life of Brian told as a as a spoken concert. Yeah, yeah. And that's fun because it's this weird experiment. It's like an you know an hour long version of Life of Brian as a spoken word with songs and other Python songs are mixed in, and they they do other stuff. 
but I've never had any urge to actually go and see Spell. I nearly saw it when Dick and Dom were in it. That's when I saw it. Is that when you saw it? How yeah, were they? Yeah. They were fine. I, 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 just, I, I, no, don't hold back. Like, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I've got them on speed dial, I, but I saw yeah. Them, I think it was the last night I saw them, actually. Because I remember them being cast, um, I was like, because it was during this period where they were sort of, they were, cy- they were cycling through um, guest actors yeah, a lot. Yeah. I think just to sort of give it that flavour of, let's see what it's like with this. No, they, and... they, they were funny. It's just not a very funny show. Because yeah. like, Ri- Richard was Arthur, wasn't he? And, yeah, and yeah. Dom was uh, Patsy. Yeah. Yeah, because I saw I saw the promo photo and I was like, "Oh my god, he looks like a Patsy!" Yeah. <laughs> like he, yeah, he does. Um, he's pulling this off well. But like I say, like they... wasn't Warwick Davis Arthur at one point? I think he has, but Tim I Curry think... was when it started, like fifteen Peter years Davis ago, wasn't was it? Arthur for a little bit. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and and like different people have played God, like John Cleese has voiced God, and I know, and there's been I know there's been some productions where they yeah. they've used. They managed to create all of God's lines using Graham Chapman audio. Oh. So that he has been in it. That's like quite in some smart. way. Yeah, the yeah. same way that like when they do the producers, one of the people in Springtime for Hitler always mimes to Mel Brooks saying, Don't be stupid, be a smarty, come and join the Nazi party. So that Mel Brooks is in it. Um <laughs> So yeah. Uh Okay. That's um, thoughts and spell a lot. Yeah. I, I, it's it's just not a very funny show. Three I, I three films we'd like to see turn into musicals. There's one that I would love to see, but so much so that I've already started to plan how it would work and don't want to say because I want to see if it works. I don't think I want to see any film. I've told turn you about that, haven't I? Musicals. I've told you about that, haven't I? Which one I think would make a good sort of like spectacle musical if it was yeah. done a certain way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Mm, it'd be fucking great. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I, I don't want to say it because I don't want to be like, here's my idea. In case um, someone goes, you're right, I'm going to take that elsewhere. Um, you're right, kid, I'm going to take it to Hollywood, I'm going to be a star, see? I'd, lo- I'd love to see a slasher flick turned into a musical in the style of, like, Toxic Avenger and, e- and Evil Dead, where its its tongue is firmly in its cheek. But it would have to be a smaller production. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could do, like, a yeah. like a Friday the 13th or something like that as a piss, like a, as, like, a one-act, hour-and-twenty-minute-long... The Fly, the musical. The Fly! That'd be great! Oh, my God, that'd be so much fun. Um... Seriously, that'd be great. Like a B movie or a slasher flick turned into a, a one act musical. I was a fly dreaming. It... <laughs> I was a man. Help me! <laughs> That's the final number. Now <laughs> the dream is over. And the insect is No, that would be fucking terrible. As a one act, um, as a one act like comedy horror night out. I don't know, like because Hack Slash was turned into like a, a stage play slash musical for like a short duration, just as a laugh. Like the idea was, you came to see it, you witnessed gore, and you. Because I've seen a production of Evil Dead that was taped. Someone put one on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And it was funny as hell. Like it, it was a, it was one of those where like if you didn't, you didn't know Evil Dead or Evil Dead Two. Yeah. You probably wouldn't get it all. But there was enough stupidity of it that you'd have a fun night. Whereas, like, if you were a fan of those movies, you would benefit so much. Because it was would, just a big love letter to them. I would love... But it shouldn't be a big thing. I would love to see <laughs> the Jim Steinman Batman musical. Oh, the one that the one that became... Some ba- of it. The one that became Bad Out of Hell Some 3, of it ended up on Bat Out of Hell 3. And some of it, I imagine, is in Bat Out of Hell. The, like... uh, I don't know. I don't know how much new stuff's in that. 
I know that there's a bit from what I've heard, mm. like score wise, like, you know, interlinking and, and, and medley and things like that. So maybe, but uh, yeah, uh, that would be cool. I would um, love although, to see that. Although to transfer to things I'd I'd like to never see as a musical, superhero stuff. Yeah, Superman did it in the seventies. It was bollocks, but it made a lot of money. Yeah, well, uh, and Spider Man did it most recently and still has not made its money back and killed people, and is also dreadful. Here's a question, like, without naming names, in, like, your college and drama school years of people picking tunes, did anyone ever pick any Turn Off the Dark stuff? No. It came out... It was, like, 2010, 2011 was when it yeah, first it rocked up. Yeah, we left. Yeah. So, I just wondered if people, like, we were I singing along to it in, I in drama school and stuff. I didn't see any oh. of that stuff Have you heard around. of it? Yeah. It's awful, it's isn't it? It's fucking dire. It's terrible. Um... I, even, I sat down one night and read a breakdown of the plot of the show, both the original version and then the amended version. It's a terrible show. Like, it's Spider-Man as interpreted by somebody who saw the Sam Raimi movie and remembered some visuals from 90s comics. Mm. It's terrible. Like, it's really... Did, Alan Cumming left it during previews, didn't he? It was originally Norman Osborn. And he left it because he went, this is fucking dreadful. <laughs> he just left. He's like, no, I can't make this work. I don't care about being tied into this. I can't make this work. Goodbye. <laughs> it's like, fair enough. Yeah. I think some promo pictures of him existing, like, full-on goblin and everything. And that's it. That's as far as he got. Before he went, <laughs> bye! Um, yeah, anything superhero should not be turned into musical. With the exception of Batman as a rock opera. Because that could be really freaking cool. Yeah. Considering it, it nearly was get, a thing. To get a taste of what it might be like, get Bat Out of Hell 3, the Meatloaf album. It's not very good. Bat Harder. Um, the Monster <laughs> is Loose, it's called. Um, and listen to In the Land of the Pigs, The Butcher is King, and Cry to Heaven, because they're both songs from the Batman that were originally works for the Batman musical. Mm. Um, and the Land of the Pigs, The Butcher is King. In the Land of the Pigs, The Butcher is King. I wonder who sung that. That's that's how. It, apparently, it was like a corrupt Gotham official. Fair enough. The Joker did have a song in it. He did. Subtitled, Where Does He Get All Those Wonderful Toys? Great. Oh, fuck yeah. If you're going to rock opera Batman, definitely take some influence from the... Apparently there's demos of it floating around out there, so I might have a poke around and see what I can find. Um, uh, Any three that we'd hate to... I can't think of anything I'd like to see, or hate to see turn into a musical. Like, just don't... Um... Rom- some rom-coms might rom-coms have been turned into musicals quite successfully rom-coms could work but at the same time yeah. it's it's the sickly sweetness oh, thing yeah, isn't it's it sweet and please stop making jukebox musicals I know I say this oh, in a, I know God. I say this yes I know I say this in a world where like Bat Out of Hell's doing well but <laughs> please I think of that. stop jukebox musicals because Bat Out of Hell is doing well but by all accounts it's fucking terrible yeah it's <sighs> You're forcing it, like that thing I would like to adapt has two songs in it. Yeah. In its original version that naturally you would bring across, but like there's room to create brand new stuff yeah, that makes yeah. that work. Whereas, like, if you're going, oh my god, we're going to, I mean, Christ, sake, I love Queen. I will never watch We Will Rock You. Fuck that. If I want to hear Queen music live, I'll stick on the freaking Wem- live at Wembley or live at the um, freaking, what's it, the Kent, oh, what's the Fringy Bowl one? Oh god, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but like Milton Keynes Ball, that's what. Like, um like I will watch that. I'll watch them play live in archive footage. Or if a band wants to cover it while I'm at a gig, great, I'll listen to it. 
I'm not interested in watching a bunch of people in a, like a, oh, it's a corrupt society. It's uh, the music's been removed from the world. And oh, but don't worry, we're going to meet the killer queen. It's like, fuck off. Fuck off and die. I just. I'm sorry, I went internet. Uh, one, of my, one of my singing teachers um, <sighs> used to tell the story of. Uh, to, to, to illustrate why Jukebox Musical is terrible, he used to tell the story of Tonight's the Night, the Jukebox Musical, mm. which about Rod Stewart's songs. Yeah. Which has literally because they couldn't work out a way to fit it in <laughs> literally has someone come on stage at one point with a phone mm. and say hey everybody Rod's calling us from his boat and he wants to sing us a song and then it goes into sailing seriously we- yeah there's a bit in the musical where Rod just calls someone from a boat yeah, yeah. and they sing sail yeah, yeah, yeah. Mamma Mia I can't stand, I can't stand it. Mamma Mia. I really like those songs. I like all those songs. See, I'm polar opposite. Like, I, I get why. I do. I admire the craft and the songwriting and everything, but, like, I really don't like listening to ABBA myself. Well, I'm not listening to it, but, like, I get... So, so, yeah, so I the get idea of seeing like Mamma Mia is already nightmarish to me in a way. But, like, why? Why? There are quite a few, aren't there? Like, um... What's the, what's the one that was turned into a film? Tom Cruise and freaking... Oh, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, no. Go away from me. Like, the, the thing is, these are amazing songs yeah, a lot of the that time. rock and punk music never work. Yeah. American Idiot's fucking terrible. God, they performed it's the opening. Really was, it on the, was it on the Tonys a couple of years ago? They did the opening. Like, they did American Idiot. Yeah. I was watching it. I was like, here's the thing. I love... I love doing musicals. It I love. I love. I, I love doing musicals. Yeah. I love seeing musicals. But you know one musical pet peeve I've got that really knocks me sick. Weirdly, talk about cringy things. Yeah. Whenever I see a trailer for a musical, mm. for some reason it just makes me feel sick. Mm. I don't know what it is. Like being there, seeing it live, love it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, seeing a version of it performed in a variety show, like you know, freaking Aladdin shows up on the Royal Variety or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. love it. Um, being in it, partaking in it, doing rehearsals, fucking love it. Whenever I see a trailer, I always want to punch someone. <laughs> I don't know why. Or certain posters. When the posters sort of have that like, oh, what are we doing? Kind of yeah. thing. I'm like, oh, God. I once tweeted about it for, um, what was that freaking, was it Geek Town? Um, something like that? Uh, was it called? Loserville. Loserville, that was it. I remember tweeting about that once in London, like in 2010. I said, the, pun- the poster makes me want to punch people. And that was when I discovered that, oh, yeah, everybody can read Twitter and people are narcissists because the cast found the tweet and started saying cheers mate thanks very much I was like I feel like a dick now I wasn't saying I want to punch you I'm saying the poster makes me want to punch the post those, ah! those posters but, yeah. were infuriating oh they were horrible yeah. yeah it was just twee as fuck it's like hey here's newsies but we're going to inject even more twee oh, into it hell, man. Um, but like like yeah so so when when I see like the jukebox stuff and all this I'm just like oh please stop it's the same kind of feeling it's like what are yeah. you doing an American Idiot the opening of that and that, that performance I was like oh <clears throat> I love this album, and you're making me hate this song. <laughs> They're making me a little sick in my mouth. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's not a good. good. Musicals, the way are just the news goes. musicals. Like they, you can, they can be adapted, <sighs> mm. but I'm also kind of against. Like, I'm also kind of against adapting properties because most of the time it's ineffective and it just is crap. Yeah, I re- I recently saw a musical that is an adaptation of a very well known property, and everybody was giving it their all, but it's not a good book. No, and the songs aren't good. There's like two songs in it that are good. 
Yeah. And the rest are just that, fine. That's my, my problem. And everyone's giving yeah. their fucking all. I was like, I, I wish you guys were in a better show. <laughs> I really do. I, I, I found when people have adapted known properties to music yeah. rules. This is why I don't want to say mine because the, I'm like, I, I would yeah. work, I would work my ass off to make this work. And before I even show it to anyone, I'd be like, does this work? No, it doesn't. I'll it's abandon like, it now. You have to change the story <laughs> structure of stuff to fit it into the musical structure yeah. and insert songs mm. and dance numbers. And it just, not every story holds up to that. And it, to be fair, like we mentioned, like the Batman and the Spider-Man musicals, like mm. you're taking a concept yeah. and making a story around it. So that could work. Like, there's nothing wrong with the, the, the theoretical idea of a Spider-Man musical. Mm. Every decision they made in the execution of that <laughs> turned out to be a Fucking terrible idea. It like like <clears throat> uh, uh, to the point of life and death situations. Yeah. And the Batman movie, uh, the Batman movie, the Batman musical never got off the ground. So yeah. you know, but then again, um, it was a rock opera. So like, there's there's, yeah. a, there's sort of a, a different kind of vibe there. But yeah, yeah, it's it's the same principle. Like, like, yeah, um, it doesn't. It most things don't lend themselves to musical adaptation. I don't. I don't think. No. Except for my idea, which would be fucking boss. Um, he says, not saying anything it about it out loud. I know it what it is. Because you could use it the structure of the thing. I'm... Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it would definitely. But then, but then work. pull from the original. And... It would definitely yeah. work. Oh, okay. I'm not getting big headed about it. It stuff. would um, definitely work. So, yeah. Speaking of definitely work. This plug will. Check us out on YouTube throughout the week. Big Damn Cast, of course, Big Damn Channel on YouTube where you can catch Adventures in Backlogging. Matt, you're about to head into a bunch of Halloween-y games. Yes, going up, uh, well, this will be going up on Thursday night iTunes, Friday on YouTube, so you will be able to see my first, uh, well, you'll, you'll have already seen my, me finish Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, the uh, epic. Finally. The epic, like, freaking thingy. So 23 if you, episodes of Red Dead Redemption. If you've never played it and you want to get a taste of it before you, uh, like, all start pre-ordering the second one, give it a, give it a watch. Matt has chronicled, was it how many? 23? 23 episodes. 23 episodes. Matt so. has completed the main story and had a bit of diversion. I've joined yeah. him along the way. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, we've, and now we've got some halloween content. We're delving into some tricks and treats. Women's. So I'm just doing little bite-sized bits of of what is in whatever's in my horror folder on my PS3 <laughs> hard drive. Um, uh, starting with spam a lot. Uh, <laughs> starting with uh, Siren Blood Curse, which is a Japanese survival horror game from uh, around 2008, which was originally released episodically. Like it's, it's 12 episodes, and you is can it? download in the individual episodes Ooh, one by one. That's um, freaky. But I've, got, I've got all of them. So um, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Okay. And worth a look, but uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to do a bunch of those, um, and yeah. Let me know if there's any of them you'd like to see me play to completion anytime soon. Otherwise, I'll just choose the next one I play fully in yeah. November, uh, and we'll see. Um, it probably be something a lot shorter than Red Dead. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> how long's the campaign? Eight hours. Yeah, Perfect. Cool. How long to com- Yeah, how long to finish is maybe my favorite uh, website uh, endeavor. You can also catch us on Twitter as per usual, Big Damn Cast, uh, over on thebigdamblog.tumblr.com for look at snippets of fun, little articles and, and collections of our videos snippets in case you missed fun. anything. Um, and, uh, yeah, all the, you know the drill. We'll see you, do. you. We'll see you next week. Send us some emails, bigdamcontact at gmail.com. Your thoughts on, uh, Blade Runner 2049 if you see it in betwixt and, um... my thoughts on Blade Runner 2049. Send mm. me them as well. Yeah. Uh, but until next time, I'll leave you with this sage piece of advice. <laughs>